Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. In school, it's just not encouraged. We're crying out for young people to do apprenticeships. What you need to do is be on my side. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. They sent me on for psychiatric assessment, and they said that the thing that's going to fix it is housing. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Wednesday morning. Hump day. As they used to call it. Do they still call it hump day? Our language is changing all the time. There's a new word out there now. A new word, pangry. <laughs> Have you heard of it? Yeah, panger, P-A-N-G-E-R. Anger with a P at the start. We used to know what hangry was. Do you get hungry and you get angry because you're hungry? Well, pangry is a new word. I'll tell you about it in, in a little while. 0818 96 96 96. Good morning to you. Text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. Your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. We'd love to get your voice messages as well as everything else. Uh, get to a, a tweet later from a listener to the show, regular listener to the show, who moved energy suppliers, which we're all being encouraged to do as often as we can to try to chase the best price in the market. And I've told you before how I did that last year. And even in the height of all of the price hikes and everything, I actually have saved a little bit of money. Uh, euro for euro, I've saved a little bit of money by moving over. And I did get the 200 euro that the government gave all this, all of us. And I think there's another 200 coming in the government, coming in the budget, apparently. But we, we heard from a a listener, she tweeted that she moved suppliers and didn't get her 200 quid and is wondering how she might go about getting it. Uh, that's something else we'll get to uh, during the course of the morning. But another year, another back to school, another fiasco with regard to the buses. Every single year when it comes to back to school, something goes wrong with the buses. Now, usually it's buses for special needs kids, um, the 
school transport scheme that picks the kid up and brings them to the special school and the taxi and all that. That generally sort of rears its ugly head in early to mid-September. But the back-to-school bus problem rears its head every year. This time, there's a new twist on it because you'll remember back in July, uh, as part of this package of measures to ease the burden of the cost of living and all of that, they announced that the transport fees were going to be scrapped for the coming year. And everyone said, that's a, that's a great idea. It would save families the bones of 500 quid. So it was a new package of curbing back-to-school costs. Great idea. But it's not, it's not working out as planned. Now, Fiona, you've been doing a bit of a legwork on this. This was a great idea when it was read out on the 5th or 6th of July, but it's, it's led to all sorts of troubles. It has. Um, an oversubscribed system has been exacerbated now because so many more people have applied for it this year, but yet there haven't been extra places allocated for this uh, increase in demand. And what has happened um, is that people who may have been using the school bus transport scheme for the last couple of years um, and put their child's name down as early as February, March, April, um, they still haven't heard anything back from Bus Erin about whether or not their child has a school place and you can imagine the stress and the worry that that is causing mm. parents. A lot of the children are returning to school this week and they still don't know if they have a bus place and at this stage now they're fearing the, the worst that it's going to be unlikely that they've been given a place. And Bus Erin took to their Facebook page over the last few days. Now the other day they said they put up a post first of all to say our school transport offices have received unprecedented application numbers for this year. Our local school transport offices are working extremely hard to process these large volumes of applications applications. We appreciate your patience at this time. And yesterday they had another post to say we're currently experiencing high volumes of phone calls about school transport services to our dedicated customer care line. Your call will be answered, but please bear with us at this very busy time of year. Now, I have asked Bus Aaron for a statement with uh-huh. regards to all of this, and we hope to bring that to you before the end of the show. And I was speaking to a number of parents yesterday. One parent said that um, that um, the, it's an awful state of affairs, she said, to be honest, as most would have applied before the end of April. So any that applied after the announcement of free buses should be assessed last. Um, this was her view on it. Mm. She said, honour the people that are on the bus for years. I'm not on a public bus route, so I'm really stuck with no ticket, and I'm not in a position to collect at all. I would manage a drop if I adjusted my working hours but the stress of it now at this stage and her child is due to start this Friday. Another person um, sent me a message to say it's so unfair from concessionary travel passes when the travel is not concessionary but only to the school in your locality your child was offered a place in yeah. to paying for years and suddenly facing the possibility of no seat in the coming year. The free travel idea has been a fiasco. I know many parents willing to pay once they can get their kid to school on the bus. Mm-hmm. Most of the parents here I know have gotten a ticket one even got her refund back and I'm still waiting for them to be able to open the portal which is another thing that um, Busserin had told people that they would be opening up a portal but that doesn't seem to have been opened as of yesterday evening so um, it is an awful situation for parents and um, do you know if anybody would like to come on the air and talk to us if they are in that situation and let us know what what is actually happening have they heard anything from Busserin and as I said if we get a statement from Busserin we will bring that to you before the end of the show but a lot of parents very very anxious very stressed at the minute. Because you would book for, say, September. You'd be inclined to book as far back as February Mm. or early March. And am I taking what you say to mean that people who booked as far back as February and March, they are now in the same 
shake up the same mix as people who saw the offer of free travel and went, oh, yeah. I'm in for that. That seems to be the case, yeah. Um, do you know, a lot of people had put their names down and um, they still have heard nothing back and they think now that that, as you said there, that they've all been put into the same system and um, I don't know what way they allocate it. I don't know, is it a, you know, pick a name out of the hat, so to speak, or is it um, it, it certainly doesn't look like it's mm. a first come, first serve basis. You so. would have thought anyone who'd, who had been previously, uh, had their application put in, should have been prioritised. There's, there's an independent councillor, <clears throat> I was listening to him on the radio yesterday, suggesting now, he's just suggesting that look, they have the buses sitting in garages around the country. So an awful lot of soldiers, particularly in the transport division of the army, are trained right up to drive any level of, of, of bus. So why not, for the, the sake of the shortage, for now anyway, why not bring some soldiers in? drive some buses to get the kids back to school. This is a fellow called Councillor Ger Carthy. I'm not too sure where he's from. He's from the Midlands somewhere. And he said, look, he said, the, the, the buses are there, sitting idle. The, the army has drivers trained. The transport section of the army has drivers trained to drive something like a school bus. So, so why not? Why not go for it? And it seems to be a lottery. He was making that point also. Like I was saying there with Fiona, so People who would regularly book their kids onto the school bus might do so in February, March, and they'd pay, and it cost a couple of hundred quid, nearly 500 quid. They went into the same draw, as it were, as people who said, oh, I like that idea, free buses. So now everyone's in a lottery system. As, as Fiona said, we've, we've asked, we've asked Boss Aaron for a statement. And it, hopefully we'll get it before the end of the programme. 0818 96 96 96. And if you're one of those people who's waiting for confirmation of a service, like when are the, this is Wednesday. Wednesday what? Wednesday 24th. So the primaries are all due back. Is it late next week or the following Monday or Tuesday? Son of, when is the... Yeah, the 1st of September is next Thursday. So we assume everybody will be back by then, 1st of September. Some secondary starting to go back this week. Uh, tomorrow, I'll go back for an hour or two and all this kind of crap. But everyone will be back, one assumed, by, by Thursday week. So uh, if you're waiting on, on, on a bus pass, and particularly if you're someone who's always had a bus ticket up to now and, and applied in the usual way and you've been left down, Love to hear from you. 0818 Now, Councillor Olin Ring of Sinn Féin has taken up the cudgels, as it were, uh, through his Twitter page, Olin, on behalf of a mother and daughter who you say will be homeless by this day week. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good, good. What's happening here? So, I suppose the first thing to say, PJ, is... Um, this wouldn't be an unusual case or a, unfortunately it's not a rare case and I suppose what prompted me yesterday to tweet about it was uh, I suppose the context of the situation where we see um, the stories that were coming out in regards to a TD who had a vested interest in these kind of things and I suppose that was my frustration. Robert Troy. And the other thing I wanted, yeah, and the other thing I wanted to show, which I think we can't expose enough, is the human side of this. So yesterday I would have... Um, 
I've done a house call and a lady I've been advocating for for several months. Um, her situation would be she's got in excess of eight years, nearly nine years now, waiting for social housing. And in that time, like anybody else, she's been working, she's been raising her child and kind of first contacted me about six months ago. And the background to this is she would be in a HAP property, right? Okay. So the, the, the kind of stats behind this is there was a bit of an explosion in HAP properties in Cork City. In about 2020, there was about 1,700 people in HAP uh, accommodation. Mm-hmm. By 2022, that was 3,100. So obviously, over COVID, there was a big explosion in that. Um, and HAP, and, again, Olin, HAP is where the support is paid directly to, is it the home, the renter or to the landlord? It's to the landlord and it's, it's kind of a, it would be a, to, a top up, we'll say a top up just to bridge that gap. Yes. Now, the, the legislation states that I think within eight months, basically, the, the, there has to be a, an audit done of the accommodation, right, to make sure it's up to standard. And obviously, in fairness, over COVID, that couldn't be done, yes. right? That's understandable. That That's why... Uh, at November, kind of November 2021, we had a situation where about 3,000 um, HAP properties within the co- uh, city council area hadn't been inspected. And that's totally understandable. No problem with that. That, that was down to COVID. But what we're seeing now is a catch up with that. And I'm seeing anecdotally and, and, and in real cases, an awful lot of these properties are failing the, the, the minimum standards required. So while... Previously, you might have one person contacting you, maybe two people contacting you in the week saying, oh, I've got a notice to quit for whatever reason. A couple of months ago, there was a big explosion in this and it hasn't stopped since. So I fear that there's a a lot in the pipeline here. And a lot of these reports came back and there was was sometimes minor failures, but other times much bigger failures. And in the case where there's bigger failures, obviously... By failure, Olin, by by failure, hmm. do you mean damp or in need of a lick of paint or a mould or what are we talking about? Well, if it's it's a minor failure, it could be something very, very small, something that can be rectified while the tenant is in there. But uh, I've seen evidence of much, much bigger failures where water is coming through the roof, for example. Um, Mm. Things like that, you know, where it's not just a case of a broken sink or a, or a dodgy shower or something yeah. like that. I would you suspect uh, that some of these places weren't exactly up to scratch pre-COVID and maybe got away I with it the last couple of years? That would be my suspicion now. I must say that's probably... that. that I wouldn't have the percentages. I wouldn't say that's every case. Mm. But certainly from the evidence I saw in some of the houses, the, that was that would, that would appear to be the case for me. Um, I would hope that's the minority of cases. But in any case... We've got, a, I think, a lot of these cases coming down the track, okay? Now, so the landlord is left with the situation where they have to either, you know, um, renovate on a big scale, which involves removing the tenant or upgrade the, the property and it possibly comes back on the market at a higher rate because obviously we're in the rent pressure zone, so there's limits to the increases mm. they can they can mm. put while the tenant is in situ. And again, to remind so people case, within the rent pressure zone, and I know I keep coming back, and the reason I keep coming back to stuff like this, Olin, which is basic, is many people listening, you know, it doesn't touch their lives. So in a rent, rent pressure zone, 4% is the max. But if you renovate, you can uh, be exempt from that limit, correct? Correct. And, and I suppose the you're right there, the 4%, and to put it in perspective from the maybe the landlord's point of view, we're seeing increases year on year in the private market of nearly 10, 11%. So, you know, the 
the incentive is there, if you like, because otherwise, you know, they will feel that they're losing out. But mm. that that could be a push on their side. Well, but the evidence is there. Landlord, small landlords are leaving the right. market in their droves. Like, yeah, and I suppose what I wanted to do yesterday was to put a human face on it, you know, yeah. as much as possible. Um, obviously without. So without yeah, naming them, tell me about like these that. people. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so like. I've been in contact with her for for several months, as I said, advocating for her. So as thing, things would happen, you know, maybe a house becomes available on CBL, um, you know, making representation on her behalf. And then yesterday, it's coming to the last week, um, and I, I called her and, you know, I'd sat, sit down across from her in her front room and just say, look, you know, this is the reality of what we're facing into next Wednesday, um, which is basically engagement with the homeless service, homelessness services. Sorry, you know, on the day that her daughter is returning to to school, and like like I said, PJ, this wouldn't unfortunately be um, an isolated case. But what prompted me to, I suppose, to tweet it yesterday was the fact that we, I suppose, we're looking at a situation where we've got policymakers who have a vested interest mm-hmm. in this, who mm-hmm. who are in, you know, who. Okay, let's, let's not dodge the name. His name is Robert Troy, yep. and 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 he's big in the news for for a particular reason. And he's probably not out of the woods yet, despite a very long interview yesterday. But he is a major property owner, sitting as a TD in the Dáil. And one of the papers is reporting this morning that there are nearly fifty people who are landlords in in the Dáil. So so it's it's, it's yeah. a significant number. It is. And I, look, I think that, you know, when it comes to making policy, I think that there should be an onus on people to declare their interests. Mm, and there's say, nothing wrong with being a landlord, but he didn't yeah, declare no, 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 it. No, exactly. And that, that's the, I suppose that that was the thing that pushed me yesterday because I wanted to also put the human face on it. And this lady is, you know, literally in, in pain from the anxiety and the worry of what next week will bring and the uncertainty of the next number of weeks. And mm. there's already people I know that have, you know, gone past that situation that are engaged with the homelessness services and trying as best as they can. I know you were mentioning uh, school transport before you were talking. Like, there won't be a teacher in the city area, certainly, that won't go into a classroom, you know, next week who won't have at least one child uh, who will be close to, whose parents will be close to engaging with homelessness services or who are in an insecure tenure. Um, And that's the reality of the, 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 the situation out there at the moment, you know. Yeah, you mentioned the insecure situation, and and as a and you're a yeah. relatively new member of of the council, but I'm sure your your predecessor Henry Kremen would would have discussed this at one point or other. And I've been saying this, and it gives me an opportunity to bring this up and bang this drum that I've been banging for a number of years. So you take your your constituent there, this misfortunate person, and have great sympathy for her, but she found out from her landlord. We'll say what six six months ago. Six months ago. Six months ago, okay. And she is likely to be homeless next Wednesday if if, if things don't change drastically. Now, here's where I've got a problem, Olin, and I don't think, and no disrespect to you or any of your colleagues, I don't think our local councillors are loud enough on this. That person should be in a position to go down to an office in the council and say, on the first, and when her landlord told her this, on the 1st of September, there is a great possibility that I am going to be homeless. Can I put my name down somewhere to get in for services? If I don't need services, I'll take my name off that list. The situation is that until such time as she's actually standing there, 
with her child and their bags and baggage, she can't do that. That is wrong, and that's going on for donkeys years old. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you, and, and I think, you know, the, into the broader point of it, and I know that I'm getting kind of into the more longer term here, PJ, but we, like, this, it's planning like we have uh, we have CSO figures for example we have a knowledge of our demographics we know what the requirements are going to be you know roughly in the next number of years and yet we can't we can't seem to get everything together and provide the basic services that we need for people to, to live and to thrive and she was telling me yesterday like her only wish is to just have a secure roof over her head and mm-hmm. her daughter said that's all mm-hmm. if you get that everything else falls in place the ability to you know, to go to work, to commute, to go, you know, to have yeah. your child and, going and to school. And the point that I was making, Olin, is that if it was a yep. thing that she'd been able to go down to the office or make a representation to yourself and you could do it, if she was able to go down to the office in maybe June or May or whatever and say, look, there's a very distinct possibility I'll be homeless on the 1st of September, her name could be in the system and they could be looking out for something for her. Whereas she has to go down there now next week, next week, week, introduce herself to people who've never heard of her and probably stand there in a highly emotional state and, and try to get into the system. That's a severe failing in the system. And we need, I, I, I need local councillors to understand that and make noise about it because they don't yeah well i mean in terms of the eviction notice and things like that we we would have um furnished the, the council with those details when when it comes through and try to use it as a an extra on her um mm. her representations for when 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 a house comes up uh, that may be yeah. appropriate for her yeah um but it's look it, you're right it's the human face and it's the it's mm. it's the huge impact it has on people's lives and, and their ability to live and yeah. this is the thing that people sure. need to be aware of you know you can't because if we i imagine she's not sleeping she's not eating no. she's you know she can't no. take five I seconds of the day yesterday. without being in the back of her mind you know? yeah. i spoke to her yesterday and she said she hadn't slept in 48 hours you know yeah and that's how, the reality of it how could you with that hanging over you all right Olin. i hope to goodness something works for her uh, that's Councillor Olin Ring. It's just, and I've said this before, and I'm just going to say it again, it's this hole in logic where you know you're going to be homeless on the 1st of September. There is nothing logical in the reason why you can't go down there in June or July and say, listen, I'm, mo- I'm going to be homeless on the 1st of September. There's my name. There's my PPS if needs be. Can you please put my name into the system and see... And see what's out there. 0818969696. People were offering back to school supplies for her and all of that, which is extremely kind. Uh, Give her a little bit of a lift. Uh, It restores her faith in humanity, which which it would. It would, of course. Thanks for that. 0818969696. You've currently matched your previous score of 9 out of 10. The question I asked you was Drax and Gamora are characters in what movie franchise? You said Guardians of the Galaxy, which was a guess. Yeah. You've just won yourself 2,000 euros! Oh my god, I don't believe it. Liam! What? Oh my god. I guess! What are you going to do with the money now? Drop a diesel? Uh, drop a diesel in, yeah, no, I don't know. Have to send it. Another winner, there you go, go, go. The two grand minute. Listen to play. At 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Casey and Ross in the morning. Quartz 96 FM. Trevor Welsh and the team back this weekend on Quartz 96 FM with Premier League Live. 
at 96fm.ie powered by TalkSport live coverage this weekend this Saturday Southampton v Man United at 12.30 Chelsea against Leicester at 3 and Arsenal against Fulham at half past 5 Premier League live online brought to you by Harvey Norman your home of the big screen you can listen on the Quarks 96FM app just open up the app and you'll see the Premier League live button there or go to 96fm.ie 0818-969696 couple of your responses to the bus situation and the housing situation there are two local authority houses up by me that are vacant one for four years and one for the last 12 months and PJ Finnegale caused the housing problem and as long as Fianna Fáil are in government with them it's only going to get worse when you have the likes of Troy owning that amount of properties and he thinks he's so privileged what hope do younger people have in getting the chance to have a home thanks for that on the subject of the buses and over on the proc they're discussing it believe it or not the People's Republic are discussing this morning rather than just slagging me which they love to do Jimmy says the free school scheme or the free school bus scheme was well meant but demand was always going to outstrip supply which is an excellent point let that be a warning to politicians from all parties who come on your show and promise the sun, moon and stars I cannot disagree with the words you say Hi PJ, is the Jazz Festival going ahead this year? There's no mention of it. Yes, Craig, it is. It was launched last night, it was down there. Actually, it was a, there's a magnificent new venue. It's right up at the top of Cypress Avenue. They've converted the roof up there and they call it Wavelength. It is the sexiest place I've walked into in Cork in many a long day. Heck of a sound system, lovely lighting, lovely bar and I hear they plan to do a complete fold-in, fold-out roof with it in the fullness of time. Fabulous place. But they, they did it last night to launch the Jazz Festival. Denise Chela was there performing with a fabulous band called Azimuth. Really funky soul, marvellous bass playing going on. It just rubbing shoulders, really, just launching the, the programme. Um, brilliant evening. The, the, the New Power Generation Uh, Prince's band, remember Prince and the New Power Generation, they're coming to Cork for the Jazz Festival they play jazz now or a form of jazz, a lot of Brazilian stuff coming, a lot of samba stuff coming it's a very different modernised updated form of the Jazz Festival and it's going to be a really sexy Jazz Festival I think at the end of October, looking very much forward to it, some more stuff coming in on the buses and on housing and homelessness, etc., etc. I'll come back to the buses in just a while. But I've mentioned this before, it only came up yesterday. As someone who, who lives with arthritis, and I've I, I loved this particular summer because we've had some lovely, lovely weather and nice, dry, warm weather, and it really works with the kind of arthritis that I have. I'm, I've been pretty much pain-free for most of the summer. Um, but lots of people suffer from all sorts of different forms of arthritis. You can get arthritis as a kid. It's not an old person's disease at all. I'm not an old person. It's a disease of many different shapes and sizes and forms and varieties. And Arthritis Ireland is putting together a course for people called Living Well with Arthritis, which is open to all and running in Cork uh, throughout the autumn. And we thought we'd check in with them. Tim O'Sullivan is chair of Arthritis Ireland. Tim, you yourself have have um, what's the other one? The one starts with R. Good morning. 
I have rheumatoid arthritis. You have rheumatoid. It's osteo I have. It's you have Mm -hmm. rheumatoid and there's seratic and God only knows how many different kinds of it. Um and and these courses. There's hundred and twenty two different types. A hundred and twenty two. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. So you've got this this course coming up which is for everybody of all ages and with all varieties of arthritis. Well, we'd recommend over eighteen for it. It's um it's a six-week program. It's a workshop, really, and it's delivered by two uh, facilitators, both with, um, in this instance, both of us have rheumatoid arthritis, and my colleague has psoriatic arthritis as well. Um, so I suppose the important thing is that people attending the course um, know that we, the facilitators, understand, and that's a very important thing because a lot of people, it's not very visible and a common expression is, but you look fine. Um, but people, um, in my own case, I had to take early retirement. <clears throat> and many others have had to do likewise. It can affect your mobility. And uh, this course is designed to help people to manage the condition. Mm-hmm. And over the six weeks, we cover various things from uh, getting a good night's sleep, dealing with controlling pain where possible, medications. We don't recommend any medications, but we go through how to get the maximum from whatever medications uh, yes. you're on. Yes. We do problem solving, action planning. We do um, a very interesting activity on communication, communicating with our, others because it does change with the condition. It can affect your relationship with family, with friends mm-hmm. and with work colleagues. Mm-hmm. If, if, you, if you have a period where you are in pain, it affects everything. Doesn't age yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it can impact you in the sense that it can cause, in some instances, depression. Um, now I'm talking depression in a small d, but yes, it can have that effect. It, there's a whole cycle that it, we call it the symptom cycle. Uh, for example, pain, um, difficult emotions, fatigue is another major factor with it, yes. um, and for a lot of people, fatigue is the big one. It can also affect your appetite. Um, so there are, it can impact on your life in many, many ways. Yeah. Uh, coming into September, into autumn and into winter, me, and I speak purely personally, with every passing year of my life, I dread this next six months more because I, the, yeah. the damp of winter kills me, just kills me. Yeah, and thanks to you can my, forecast the weather. Oh, my wonderful, wonderful chiropractor who gets me through by keep just keeping things moving for me. You know, but I, 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 someone like rheumatoid responds to the weather as well, doesn't it? It does, yeah, because it affects equally, it affects the giants. It does it in a different way, but the giants are affected as well. Um, So, uh, as well as that, the atmospheric pressure affects, um, you know, the pressure on your giants for everybody, but in particular, people that would have a condition like arthritis. Yeah. And, and I suppose I should emphasize here as well the importance while we talk about medication and uh, attending uh, consultants and that a very important uh, element of your treatment as well, uh, equally as important as meds, is exercise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Vitally important. Now, each person has a different uh, level of mobility. And uh, we, when we talk about exercise, we talk to people to their mobility level. Yes. For some, a brisk walk might be very comfortable. 
for others, maybe a short 10, 15 steps might be quite difficult. So mm. it's what um, works for you. Yes. And uh, But exercise, and that was one of the areas that I fell down in after being diagnosed, was that I wasn't exercising properly. And that's when I did the course. That's what I got out of the course. Yeah. Do what you can, I think, is very key with regard to exercise. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So who who's this course for and how do people book a place on it? Is it in person or online? This we're going we have been online for the last two and a half years due to COVID, but we are going back. We're starting the first course uh in on the thirteenth of September. It's on a Tuesday evening. That's between six and eight thirty. And we're holding it at the Northside Business Campus. That's just behind the fire station in Bella Valen. Yes. Yes. It's uh, it's a lovely venue. It's fully accessible and parking is close by as well. And uh, to book a place on it, you can contact Arthritis Ireland. If you go into the website, www.arthritisireland.ie, uh, it'll guide you through where to book. Or you could call 01-647-0206. Okay, 647-0206. Okay, and it's confined to sixteen participants, so it's it's a very um, intimate course in that sense, and there's great camaraderie among the group as well. Yes, uh, it's a course that was designed in, by Kate Lorig in Stanford University about thirty years ago, and it's a scripted course. And whether you do the course in Cork or Dubai or New York. It's delivered in exactly the same way. Very good. And it doesn't matter, once you're over 18, it doesn't matter what variety of arthritis you have, no. you'll get any, no, any from it. Any related condition, fibromyalgia, would be another related condition. Um, we will accommodate everybody. All right, listen. It uh, actually works for any chronic condition. I've done courses uh, over the last two years for people with uh, long COVID. And it equally works for those people as well. Excellent. All right, Tim, thank you very much. Tim O'Sullivan, Chair of Arthritis Ireland, himself suffering with rheumatoid. Sorry, I got a brain fart for a second. I couldn't remember the name, but rheumatoid arthritis. You've got people with cerratic arthritis. I know several people with cerratic arthritis. I myself have osteo. There's 120 different kinds of arthritis. So if you want to get onto that course, it's uh, arthritisireland.ie. Can register there, or indeed you can call that. No, it's on Eventbrite as well, and you can call that number 01647-0206. All you have to be is over eighteen that uh, have some form of arthritis or other. Thank you for that. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. The idea of free transport or subsidised transport. This is about buses. Is the right one? You want to get people out of cars to ease congestion, etc. Tell me, are the TDs still in their hollybobs? The idea is right, but as usual, the execution of the plans is lacking and nobody is responsible. We'll come back to this after these. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. On your radio every afternoon with the best tunes from the biggest names like these guys. My name is George Ezra. Hi, I'm Lizzo. This is Harry Styles. I am always good for a giveaway. You're very good, thanks for real. And the random stuff like House Envy. Can you see the water from where you are? I can. It's just beautiful, yeah. Any interest in doing a bit of Airbnb, Gillian? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Simon Murdoch. Midday to 4 p.m. With Sky VIP. At Sky, everyone's a VIP. Visit the VIP section of the My Sky app to discover your rewards. On Corks 96 FM. We opened this morning talking about school transport and reminded you that back in July, the government said that part of a cost cutting program for school going families in the face of the cost of living crisis would be that they would make school transport free for the 2022 to 2023 school year. Cue a stampede to the point where there are now hundreds of people who haven't yet received confirmation of a school place for their children for this term. And many of those, as Fiona found out in her bit of background work, was that some of these made their application as far back as February, which sounds like people who would always make an application and people who said, oh, that's lovely, free transport, I'll have a piece of that, have all gone into the one bucket, which means that was what was a good idea isn't working out as planned. Senator Tim Lombard, did the government jump the gun here and, and check first whether it could actually be done? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, I actually don't think they did. I think it's a really positive scheme. Like the actual cost of school transportation for people that qualify for it for a family is up to six hundred and fifty euros a year. So by changing this, it's making it more affordable for people that actually get their kids to school. It's mainly a rural transportation scheme, though. It kind of works on a criteria that you need to be so many kilometres away from the school. Yeah. So not everyone actually um, can actually avail of the actual scheme itself. But like the big issue here, and it's been a continuous issue over the last few years, and I think I spoke to two or three years about this issue probably the same week, is that even though the closing date for new applications is the 29th of April, and the closing date for older applications is the 29th of July, they knew, they know the figures, they know the population, they know exactly the routes, they know how many kids are involved. We're literally stuck in the last week scenario of waiting for the tickets to come. But there's huge issues about bus air and running the service itself. Like we're about 75,000 account holders, hundreds of thousands of kids involved. But like how they're running this has to be looked at because you cannot have a scenario that literally on the last week, on the last day, mm. we're now looking at children, whether they want to be on the school bus or not. But what I'm getting at is, Tim, in, in offering this in July, and, 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 and everyone said, I remember hearing it on the news at the time, and saying that's actually a very good idea, that'll save people hundreds of euro. It sounds to me as if the department, Minister Foley and Public Enterprise and all that, didn't realise or didn't take into account the chaos it might cause. I, even though you could argue the point that didn't realise too much of chaos, I think this chaos has been here year on year. Well, you're not wrong the there. problem we have is, and the problem we have is, I'll give you an example. If you are a seven-year-old bus driver, you cannot drive a school bus because of the criteria that bus air had put in, put in place themselves. If you were driving for a private company doing a run to with a tennis club, you could do it. And the biggest problem the bus providers have is that they can't get people to work the two and a half hours in the evening or two and a half hours in the morning. And with the deepest respect, if you are a retired individual, it's a really nice gig to get. You get your four hours a day, mm. school time, school hours. But we have now barred, because of a bus air and actual um, regulation, nothing to do with the government, bus air themselves, have decided that anyone... Well, well, well hold on a while now. The National Transport Authority, bus air may have nothing to do with the government, but the National Transport Authority does. 
And the national if if Bosera wants to scratch its backside, it has to have the approval of the National Transport Authority and hence of the government. So a simple instruction from government through the NTA to drop that stupid rule would solve a lot of, a lot of problems. So we changed the medical cert issue pertaining to that during the year. So now you'd have to be 75 before you need to get a medical cert to actually drive the bus. So that actual issue regarding so that's been dealt who with. was competent, that's been dealt with. But the knock-on implications for... So the retired bus, bus driver can drive now? Exactly. You don't need to get your cert certified from your, right. from your medical doctor to do sure. it. Sure. So and why can't bus and sort that out? If I that had black hair, um, and I think that's the issue. I am going grey looking at this side. How can we actually solve this issue? And we're on. So hold on now. The, what you're saying, Tim, is that the regulation, this awkward regulation, very mm-hmm. ageist regulation, actually, if I'm going to use that exactly. word, this ageist regulation that barred people who were semi-retired or fully retired from taking part in this scheme, that has been done away with or changed. Correct. Exactly. But Bus Aaron exactly are still keeping it in place. Right? Exactly. So Bus Aaron, really so, so who's got the power here? Someone's got to have the power to turn around to Bus Aaron and say, actually, I'm issuing an instruction here that you're going to take these well, people. Obviously, there's some mistakes. Sounds to me, sounds to me like that's Eamon Ryan's job here. Well, He's Minister of Transport. I mean, if he said it, if he said, I want Bus Aaron well, to do this, Absolutely. And what I'd say to you is there's bound to be and there has to be political accountability. They are a semi-state body, absolutely. Yes. But like if you actually change regulation because there's an issue, because there's a problem, and like that word ageism is a really important word because I think the way we've worked in society, people over 70, you yeah. know, they're probably the new 60-year-old notice. Well, no, Tim, I'm not getting stuck in here now. I, I just want to keep coming back to this point because I, I, that's, that's, new, that's new to me that this regulation has been, has been, has been lifted. But the regulation is gone, but Bosseran, your understanding is Bosseran is still imposing it. Someone surely Absolutely. has the power, and you're a member of government, you're a government senator. Somebody surely has the power to turn around to Bosseran and say, actually, I'm instructing you to lift that regulation. Someone's got that power. If not, who's running the country? That's an interesting question. What I would say to you is they are a semi-state body. They do run their own board. The minister's yeah. power regarding funding mechanisms and actual issues pertaining yeah, to the National Transport Authority governs everything they do. We, oh, I concur that they're the funding mechanism. They really are. And what I'm saying to you is we've changed regulation. We we knew it was a problem. We gave them the actual green light to solve it. They haven't worked it through the line. Bus Aaron have a responsibility. They knew how many kids are going to be on this line. The kids don't change, Peter. We know how many children are going to be taking up the scheme on a yearly, yearly basis. We knew there was going to be influx on the 29th of um, April. So we had all this data. From now till then, you plan, you put your line in place. This happens every year. I'll Mm. be probably talking to you next year, let's get this thing sorted, because it's a complete chaos for the amount of people and families that are trying to arrange childcare, trying to arrange transportation routes, and like I had it myself in my own part where it took the first month before we got the bus sorted two years ago. Yeah. This cannot That's continue. not good. That's not good enough. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm blue in the face here September after September for, from, from listening to this and it, and it never gets sorted out. But I'll leave it there, Tim. That's an interesting development. That's new to me. It may not be new to you, but it's new to me. Senator Tim Lambert, thank you. The regulation which meant that retired or semi-retired people could not drive the school buses, that has been lifted 
that has been done away with. But Bus Aaron, according to the Senator, and we'll get a statement from them hopefully, according to the Senator, Bus Aaron are still imposing that restriction. Who the hell is in charge here? The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. The Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With Tusla Fostering. Now seeking foster carers for short and long-term emergency and respite fostering in Cork. See fostering.com. On Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. We've not been talking much about Robert Troy comment at all just came up there in that conversation we had with uh, Councillor Alden Ring about housing and is what he said on that big long interview he did yesterday 25 or 26 minutes worth of an interview it's all in in the papers this morning if you want to go and find them but he owns a rake of property and his declarations were all over the place for the standards and public office and public interests and and all that and look that that is what it is it's in the newspapers I, I don't propose to go into it in any great depth unless anybody wants to talk about it in which case 083 396 96 96 or 0818 396 96 96 Leo alright was on from Douglas no not that one not that one another Leo (laughs) regarding Mr. Troy's assets we should call a general election before the budget it's not right that he has all these assets and so many people in the country are homeless and hungry but one of the reasons he still has his job According to one of the political correspondents this morning, one of the reasons he still has his job as a junior minister is that the government needs his vote to survive and get itself through a budget. So they are on a knife edge, numbers-wise, in the doll. 0818-969696. Are you angry by any chance? I'm just throwing this out there to to ask you what you think. Do you know, since we put put the worst of the pandemic, they use the word the worst, since we put the worst of the pandemic into the rearview mirror and and got on with our lives as best we can, still watching out for it to lie in wait for us and looking into the winter, knowing that lots of us will, will get it, and there's probably more vaccinations needed and boosters and all that kind of palaver. And I, we'd, we'd hope against hope that it won't clog up the hospitals. And we'd hope against hope against hope against hope against hope again that we won't have any more restrictions coming in in the wintertime. But the worst of it is behind us now and in the rearview mirror. But it's left us feeling, some of us anyway, feeling short-tempered and impatient and intolerant and snappy and stressed and getting annoyed about things that didn't really bother us much before. In the shop, for example, someone leans across you to get a pound of sausages. Like three years ago, you did a grand. Now you get stuck in them. People are getting stuck in each other over the smallest things. People are arguing over the smallest things. And psychologists are saying, well, this is down to maybe resenting what we lost for the two and a half years that we were 
part-time or full-time locked up in our homes. And there's a kind of a post-pandemic anger. And what's not helping it is the cost of living, the state of the nation, Robert Troy, buses. It's not helping at all. But do you just throw it out there for yourself? Do, do you feel more tetchy, short-tempered, impatient, intolerant than, than you used to be? Have, have you lost all patience with the human race? The thing that you used to stand back and say, all right, that's grand, that's just... Does that drive you mad these days? Are you snappy? Are you stressed? Are you fearful that we'll all end up locked down again at some point or other? And for younger people, because this came up in a program I was listening to, younger people, are you resentful of what you missed out on in the two and a half or so years of the worst of this? Do you know? And when you still see someone wearing a mask by choice, and I see quite a number of them, and sometimes I wear, the, I wear one myself if things get very crowded or whatever. I always carry one in my pocket. If you see someone still wearing a mask by choice, how do you feel about that? Because some people get very angry when they see it and grumbly. Your thoughts on that are welcome at 0818969696. Have we, got, have we turned angry as a nation, or angrier as a nation as a result of of COVID. Now, Antoinette, Casey first went to America a few years ago where she had SDR surgery and it all went really well and it was very successful. Now she faces another trip abroad and you've just come off yesterday a Zoom meeting with a fabulous doctor called Dr. Paley. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Yeah. She I can't had, believe I'm actually back in this position again. I know, <laughs> I know, honest. I know. She had the SDR for the the CP and cerebral palsy. That was very successful at the time. I remember, this is the first time I ever met yourself and Katie, and of course the, the late Rob was, was back then. That was eight years ago. <laughs> eight years ago, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and she made great progress. But now she needs hip surgery. And this doctor is actually amazed she can't have it here. Yep. Um, we actually spoke to Dr. Paley, um, what, what day is today? Monday, Tuesday, I can't remember what day we even spoke to. Um, and we were supposed to bring her to Florida, mm. but Dr. Paley actually has a clinic in Poland. Um, so he's going to actually see her there instead of us having to go all the way to America. What is it she is, needs done, Antoinette? She needs a pelvic ostomy and a femoral ostomy, which is basically they'll reconstruct her hip, put the ball back into her hip and rotate her leg that it'll actually go back into place. You no. know what I mean? That her leg will be straight. This particular condition where her hip is that way, is that part of her cerebral palsy or what caused it? It is. The problem is with children with cerebral palsy, it can't, like, um, hip dysplasia is kind of part and parcel of it. Mm. Um, but the problem with Katie was when she was smaller, she sat in a like kind of a W position, you know, the way you sit with your kind of knees yeah. and your legs behind you. And that didn't help. It was the only way the child could sit. Yeah. Now, if I was to tell Katie to sit like that now, she'd go on her hope because she can't. Yes. Because she had SCR and the spasticity has gone out of her body. Yes. Um, she can now sit literally 
the same as you or I can, where beforehand the only way she could sit was in that W position. Yes. yes. Because it helped her balance. Yes. So I mean, you've talked to me about this before and you've been very vocal about it. She has pretty much a permanently dislocated hip, correct? It's over 40% dislocated. Okay. And the surgery that she requires, yes, it has big names, but what it basically is, it's a surgery that she needs done to reshape her pelvis, reinsert the hip joint and, and, and make it sit there like it should, correct? Yeah, they'll put pins in to keep it in, in place. Right. Um, so uh, so the muscle kind of builds back around it and then exactly. they obviously have to take the pins back out. And if, stage, the, I don't know if the surgery is successful, then it would give her a normal hip joint like the rest of us have, correct? Yes. Um, the only other thing is Katie has one leg which is longer than the other, which is the actual right leg as well. Yes. So he may be able to do something with that as well. I see. I see. Um, at the moment, Katie walks, as we say, like a penguin. Yeah. You know the way a penguin, well, that's uh, the way Katie I've, walks. I've seen her, yeah. She struggles. In um, fairness to her, she, she drives on hard. She doesn't give oh, up. Oh, she does. She's a fighter. You know what I mean? And she'll never, ever back down. Yeah. She's worse than me. I, I, I mean, there was a time, Antoinette, <laughs> wasn't there, when your own back was broken from carrying her? Yeah. But my own, like, I actually have scoliosis in my back as well. Now it's only mild, thank God. Um, but for me now, like if Katie falls now, I can't lift her up. Yes. Like she's 15. Yes. She's a heavy child. Yes. Um, so what we have to do now is, if there's nobody here with me, obviously, um, she kind of makes her way over to the wall, a chair, the table, whatever's around her, and gets herself up. Because if she falls, she can't get up. She used, Does she use crutches? She uses her crutches when she's outside. Right. Um it, they're kind of a comfort blanket to her. She's so nervous around crowds. She but the fine. problem is, too, when she walks, if the hip pulls in any way, she's just down on the ground. Yeah, yeah. So, like, her friends and everything, her friends are brilliant. Like, if she falls, they just go, all right, get up. Yes. They don't panic anymore. But Where it's very painful it's death, if she falls, correct? Panic. Yes. Yeah. Um, there'll just be a few choice words when she falls, believe me. Yeah. Um, but ironically, you were talking about arthritis just before I came on. Yeah. If Katie didn't get this operation done, she could end up with arthritis in her hip. Now, she's bad enough as she is. But she doesn't need that. I don't want her having arthritis. You know yourself what the pain of arthritis is like. Now, Antoinette, we have some fantastic, and we do have, like, world standard orthopaedic surgeons in this country. There, there is no reason, and I listened. Is, I, your, I saw your conversation with with Doctor Paley. He himself can't yeah. believe that that they can't be done here, given the quality of surgery. No, you, you, you heard his reaction yeah. when Katie said to him, "Like I have to stop growing." Like they said, she, she had to wait. She stops growing. She's too weak. Now they refer her onto an adult doctor, which God knows when we'd see. Yes, um, and as he said himself. Um, once children get to adulthood, um, they don't know what to do with kids or adults with cerebral palsy. Yeah, because there used to be, and maybe you, maybe I'm right here. Kappa Hospital, I remember up the country. Kappa was, Hospital do that that's where famous, Katie's been that referred was to for orthopedics, wasn't it? Yeah, but she's been referred to Kappa. But as I said, waiting lists 
Ireland. Do I need to say any more? How long would she be entering it? I don't know how long she'd be waiting if if we were to wait here. And I can't leave her any longer. We'd be talking probably, what, years? Probably, yeah. Okay. I think the problem too is Dr. Pale is here in January. Now, he did say September, but one... Katie's passport is our date, and you know what it's like to try and get a new passport. Okay. So I can't take the chance in going in September, right. just in case our passport won't be back. And secondly, Katie's sister, Abby, went for a normal eye test, mm-hmm. and they found something behind her eye, so they sent, well, we actually brought her private, for an MRI and she actually has hydrocephalus behind her eye. Oh, and she has an appointment in September. Right. So that um, needs to be to see, for now. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? I can't just go, ah, sure, Abby, you can stay away. No, no, like, no, no. I'll bring Katie. Like, you know what I mean? So is, I have is, to this is the, this is, this prioritise Abby as well. This is, the, this is the contrast. Like, Kappa Hospital, and I was, I was right, it's famous for its ability yep. and skill with... Pediatric orthopedics. It, it's it's famous for it, but she'd be waiting. Yeah, so pediatrics. Long. Yeah, she'd be That's waiting. That's the problem. Yeah, it, it's like at the moment they've re- referred Katie to Kappa to an adult doctor. She's fifteen. Well, by the time she gets there, she should be an adult. That's by the time she gets there, she's probably twenty. There you go. <laughs> you know? So so. From waiting probably a number of years to get into a specialised orthopedic clinic where it might the work might be done here. She can see an American doctor in his clinic in Poland in January. Yeah. And how quickly once he assesses her? Because I did you, you sent me. Um, he did. He did say once um, he sees her. He said like, like I sent him videos. I sent him X-rays, and as he said, they're brilliant. I can see. Obviously, you can see the way she's walking and, and whatever. Um, but he needs to examine her because. To see how far, obviously they know, like under pulling the legs apart, which way mm. the hip is going, and whatever they know. Like I don't, and I'll be honest with you, I don't. Um, he needs to be able to literally pull and drag out her to see how far her legs can come apart to see exactly what he has to do. Yes, so he needs so, to get he sorry, needs literally me. to get his hands on her effectively. Basically, yeah, and I, like as he said, he will help her, but he needs to see her first. Yeah. And so that's what we do in January. And as he said, once he sees her in January, then he can give us a date for the surgery. And he'll do it in Poland. And he'll do it in Poland. He'll actually fly from Florida wow. to do a horse surgery in Poland. Wow. Now, this is going to cost you. Know, you. I can't travel to Dublin <laughs> to get surgery for her. But he'll fly from Florida to Poland and do the surgery. Now, there is doctors in, obviously, in Poland as well yeah. um, that do all these surgeries. They've, they've all trained under Dr. Paley, like Dr. Park in, in St. Louis. Yes. Anybody that works with him have all trained under him, so they all know basically his way of doing these surgeries. Yes, yes. And you have, knowing you, researched every possible option, and this is, oh, yes. the, this is the only one. This is, this is the only one. Like, we tried the North. She's too young. Um, we got in touch with the crowd in Spain, you know, the one, you're, you're on a, a waiting list. Arm, yeah. But the problem is, Katie's not on, on a waiting list. She's in limbo. 
If I had a, a thing to say your child is on a waiting list, they'd probably see her. But she's not on a waiting list. She's on a waiting list, yeah. You know, so, so like you hear about waiting lists and waiting lists and waiting lists for children all over Ireland. And why isn't she on one, if you don't mind me asking? Because they don't know what to do with her. And that's been straight. She's too weak. She needs to, like, she has to stop growing. And you'll hear Dr. Paley herself. She has stopped growing. Mm. They've referred her to an adult doctor. But mm. there's no, I like, I haven't had any correspondence from that adult doctor to say, we're putting her on a list. Ah. So she's in limbo. So, you know I mean? so here you've been told there's a doctor here that she can see in Kappa, but you haven't even heard from that doctor to know when he or no. she... I got you, I got you, but then... You but what our paediatrician actually did say here, that he'd discuss it with him, and if, that's the big word, if he's willing to do something, then he'd be in touch. If. So, so. I don't know if he's willing to do something, so, or so whether you, he will ever be in touch so with you've me. you've gone from an if to a doctor who... To, and I've listened yes, to I can do it. Yes, I can do it. I just need to see her to know what I need to do. But yes, I can do it. I can do it in Poland yeah. and I can see her in January. Yeah. What, what, what? But no, you're going to be fundraising again, Antoinette. Yes. And um, believe me, it's the last thing I want to do. I know. Broke um, your heart. You nearly broke your heart. But what choice do I have? I know. Yeah, it is. And, and it's going to you bring know back what a lot of memories. Yeah, you know what it went through. I do. I do. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. I remember when there's no need to go into it, but you did. You went no. through an awful time, but I do. And that's how we became friends, you and I. Yes, it is. And you've been very good to us for the last eight, nine, well, I don't know, many years, too many years. <laughs> um, but what choice do I have, Paige? I can't leave Katie like this. You know what? I'm her mom. I, I can't see her sitting here in pain. See her falling, and as I said, using the choice words that she does, and I allow her using because obviously when you fall flat on your your leg or your hip, like she's bruises on her knees from falling, she's bruises on her hips from falling. Her hands, well, her hands are like leather, because obviously when she goes down, she lands her hands on the ground to stop herself. But there is sometimes she can't; she just literally she could be standing there and just gone down, and it's because of the hip. She's only 15. Yeah. yeah. You know, and if I leave her any longer, as I said, she'll end up with arthritis in her hip. And it'll end up then she'll have to have a full hip replacement. Where now, as they say, prevention is better than a cure. Yeah. So if I can prevent her having to have a full hip replacement, I'm prepared to go to Poland. I'd, I'd have gone to the moon if I had to. Yeah. To help her. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, so as I said, you heard Dr. Paley yourself when yes. Katie said, um, oh, I just gone blank. No, he, he, like, she, she said, I said, so like, Katie, she says she's too weak. She told him, they also said she has to stop growing, and now yeah. she's too old, and they were on to refer to another. Like, the shock in his voice and the look on his face. Yeah, I'm just like, he raised his eyes and everything <laughs> kind of got, yeah. He was just like, what? You know what I mean? He was just like, okay, um, you know what I mean? It's ridiculous. Yeah. And I'll see you in January. 
Antoinette, listen, if there's anything, we can, do, Anthony can do, anything we can do, you're pushing an open door here. Um, t- tell her I said hello, won't you? I will. She's still in bed. She's making me mouthful because she's back in school on Friday. Back in school on Friday. All right. Listen, listen. Look after. Yeah. Look after everybody else, and and take care. And we'll talk. We'll talk very very soon. Um, it's another big adventure for a small person, uh, Katie. I first met her when she was just. Oh, she was only seven or eight, and she was in a wheelchair, and she was going to America for surgery, and met Antoinette and her late dad Rob, and they're a, lo- they're a lovely family. And she lives like she can just fall down, just say, down, gone, and she cannot get back up again. It's, it's awful. Uh, thank you for that, Antoinette. And good luck to Katie. We'll stay in touch. 0818 96 96 96. Oh, we got a statement about the school transport. Get to it next. Hear all the biggest hits from your favourite festival stars. Non-stop. Quartz 96 FM's Back Garden Festival is now streaming exclusively online. Listen on our app or go to 96fm.ie. The Back Garden Festival with Harvey Norman and JBL. Your specialist in sound this summer. Quartz 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96FM. I want to go back in a minute to the chronic shortage of apprenticeships and why is nobody taking them up when we need brickies and carpenters and plumbers and tilers and painters and roofers and the whole lot. Why isn't it happening? I'm going to come back to that in just a couple of minutes. But Fiona, we got a statement back in from Boss Aaron with regard to the school buses. Um, Just scanning through it, it doesn't seem to say a whole pile, but what's in it? Yeah, it's just confirming that in July 2022, the government announced funding for the waiving of school transport scheme fees for the coming school year as part of a wider package of cost of living measures. Um, It goes on then to say that ticket registration for the coming year, that's 2022 to 23, closed on the 29th of July and by that time they had almost 130,000 applications uh, for mainstream school transport. This figure includes 44,299 new applications as well as rollovers from the previous school year. So already over 106,000 tickets for the school year have been issued to applicants for the new school year. Um, and they go on to say that Bus Erin will continue to process applications and to issue tickets as soon as extra buses and drivers are sourced and become available to provide transport for the higher numbers qualifying for the service. So I don't know, PJ, does that mean that the 106,000 tickets that they've allocated, that that's it now and that more will come on board when they get more buses and drivers. But that's my take of yeah. what they're saying Well, it there. said they had 130,000 applications and uh, 106,000, it says, has been issued, which mm. presumably means that they have it. Yeah. And it's lo- it reads that they're lo- they will give a ticket to everybody else that's applied if they can get buses and drivers. That's what it seems like, yeah. Um, and they've said that regrettably the unprecedented numbers of new applications for the upcoming school year has led to some delays in issuing tickets. The normal eligibility criteria of the scheme still applies. Tickets continue to be allocated to families as we work through these remaining applications and families will be contacted as further information is available. And then they find they close the statement by saying we apologise for any inconvenience caused by these delays and thank our customers for their patience as we continue to work through remaining applications. So they are still working through yeah. remaining applications. Um, the one thing that's missing from that statement is a date. Yeah. A date by when people... I mean, they're saying... Oh, I'm, re- I'm reading and I think you're reading. They're saying that everyone who's applied and been approved will get their ticket. Mm. But they haven't given themselves a date as to when. 
No, and I mean, some of the parents that I spoke to yesterday evening were saying that their children are starting school this week, Thursday and Friday, and yeah. they haven't heard anything. Um, and, you know, at this stage now, it's what, Wednesday? So people are obviously trying to make alternative arrangements and plans to get their children to school um, and still hoping that they're going to get a place on the school bus system, but they don't know yet. So, they don't know. And they, we don't have a date either as to when they're going to get that. Back to school is stressful enough without that kind of carry-on. Thanks, Fee. Uh, and we got that statement in from us here and there in the last 15-20 minutes. Any thoughts uh, are welcome at 0818-96-96-96. Now this, we, we discussed this earlier in the year when I was talking to Ken, who uh, runs an electrical business. Um, and he was saying that there's a there's a snobbery out there uh, among some parents that don't want their sons or daughters doing apprenticeships. They want them to go off to college and get a degree. And at the same time, we are short, chronically short. Have you tried to get a plasterer lately? Have you tried to get a tiler or a plumber or a bricky or a, a chippy? There's a chronic shortage of trades out there. 63. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. percent of construction companies are now struggling to find workers to build. Plasterers are in very short supply, so are carpenters. So you could hardly build a hut without a plasterer or a carpenter. The survey also found that working in construction isn't seen as a good career choice. But the Minister for Higher Education, Simon Harris, has said, well, has acknowledged this is a problem because we want to retrofit homes we need to build thousands of houses we need to retrofit houses for the green agenda and all that we've no workers, we've no builders Dr Tom O'Connor who's head of the Department of Applied Social Studies at MTU Cork uh, Tom you were writing about this in, in the examiner and, and you quoted from that research report there is a chronic shortage of trades and you've been looking into why, good morning yeah, yeah. Hi, PJ. Um, well, 
snobbery is one element in there, and that's the that's a that's that's definitely an issue. And but it's the, there's a whole like like most things in Ireland, there's a whole comp, a large number of issues, snobbery of which is one. But um, what has happened in Ireland is that over the years, getting a degree and having lifelong learning, and you know, ha, you know, having that under your belt has delivered in terms of employment and has kind of protected people from unemployment a lot. And so it's the safe option for parents. Whereas the government's, like, there's a lot of short-term thinking in Ireland. When it came to austerity from 2008 to 2013, um, construction, hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands at least, lost their jobs and there was very little done about it. There was cutbacks in trades all over the country in yeah. in. in uh, and it was there was it was just left go to the wall essentially. Many of them emigrated, and many of them left the, the trades and didn't get back into it. So there's this short term thinking versus uh, and basically poor treatment to tradesmen and poor treatment to manual work, workers versus the safe option of going to college and hedging against unemployment. Um, and also then added to the kind of cultural snobbery that has developed historically about going to college, that it's, you know, all the parents aspire to children going to college, that it's getting a degree and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's a complex, complex problem. There, there is the belief, like you say, that you have a, a better chance of getting a job with, with a third level of qualification. And then, of course, once you get into university and you get your primary degree, there's this kind of carrot dangled in front of you oh you'll do better with a master's and then you get the man oh you'll do better with a PhD so people yeah. end up sort of studying for half their life yeah that's uh, and uh, you know it's uh, uh, the thing about what's driving that is the, the is the is the funding of higher education and also the fact that Ireland has a very poorly developed uh, what they call vocational further education and training system unlike countries like Germany. So what happens in Ireland is that everyone goes down and does the leaving cert and then they're on this super highway of career. People in Ireland love, uh, you know, parents and adults in Ireland love this paper credentialism. That was recognised as far back as 1990 by DSRA that, you know, we were wedded to degrees and higher degrees and more degrees. Um, Breen et al. call that the love of credentialism in Ireland. And we can see the figures where Ireland has, you know, has nearly 60% of secondary school students going on to degrees, uh, having getting degrees compared to, you know, about 40% in, in most European countries. So, the, and then the, the, the colleges are fo- are looking for funding. They're being, they're being squeezed by government. So their, their primary objective is to actually get bums on seats. And that's the name of the game and getting the people and whether, mm. whether some course is actually perfectly fitted or not, doesn't matter. And get them on to do masters and, you know, push the thing forward, you know. And Tom, we, we have a, a huge need of construction workers and, not enough people are going into the trades, electrical, plumbing, tiling, yeah. carpentry. They're not going into it. There's a couple of reasons why, I think. Um, and the pers- Because I think if you're, if you're 18 or 19 um, and you're going to work 8 to 4 or 9 to 5 in, in all weathers, the pay for your first couple of years mm-hmm. ain't great. Now, you are learning and you'll, you'll mm-hmm. have a career but the pay ain't great. So you can go off to a call centre and work three days a week yep. for more than you'll get on a building site. Do we need to make apprenticeships more attractive? They're all without a doubt. Um, in Germany, um, for example, they have they have a, a system in Germany where trades 
and technical qualifications and even professions go down the vocational education and training route. And, uh, you know, p- people work half the week, uh, go to college half the week and they uh, work in the trades in the other half of the week and they get there's better recognition, higher status. You'd have, you can have people who are, um, uh, you know, studying to be lawyers or, or electricians going to the same colleges. There, There's not this kind of um, differentiation between trades and, and universities as there are here. But we do definitely need to, to think about... Um, you know, giving people better allowances and better mm. uh, and conditions. And there's because general fear, and it's not just in Ireland, there's a general fear internationally. If you look at what's happening internationally, a lot of young people are afraid of manual work. And that's oh. they don't like manual work is not an attractive option. And very hard to get people to do manual work. People who've been brought up on the internet, brought up on an information age, going out there and doing the old fashioned grafting is a, you know, yeah. and working out doors and all this so allowances could come in for that you know and and we also need like, there's also an argument to be made here you see people remember that it, the recession isn't too long ago people remember that the, that hundreds of thousands of people in construction lost their jobs at the recession um because they were just left go in other countries who want to hold on to skilled people they have a thing called flex security where the government will guarantee a percentage of their overall pay up in Scandinavian countries is like 80%, 85%, you know, in order to keep them, you know, in the labour force and send them on to further retraining, maybe upskilling a bit more, maybe learning about retrofitting houses or whatever, just to keep them in the in, mm. in the game, in the labour force. But in Ireland, it just, you know, it's just pure market conditions apply, short-term thinking, leave yeah. the, and, and, and everyone knows their father and mother who, who were left go during the recession That's and... Right. And we're bruised you know, from that, and we don't we don't encourage the young lads to get into it because we think there'll be another crash and another recession, and thousands more will lose their jobs. But you know, when you see a young person happy in an apprenticeship, Tom, I remember we had some work done on on yeah. my place a couple of years ago, and there was one young lad. He wasn't there every day, but he was working for the company, and he was he was on our site one day, he was on another site another day. He came in the van with the foreman, and I got chatting to him. We had a coffee one day in the kitchen, just a young lad, like maybe eighteen yeah. years of age. And he said, do you know, is I, I want to work in timber frame housing. He said, that's that's what I want to do. He said, I go home on a Friday and I can barely stand. Gee. But I'm learning, he yeah. said, from the best. And by the yeah. time I do, and he said, look, the pay, the, I won't lie to you, the pay isn't great. But, I'm blur- but I can go home on a yeah. Friday, I can barely stand. But he said, timber frame yeah. is where the future is. So I'm learning yeah. from my future. And I thought more young people need to be encouraged to think like that. They do, and they, I mean, young people. Young people need to be. You know, these things need to be made attractive. You see, what what tends to happen in Ireland? What has happened in Ireland is, uh, unlike Germany again, which is the kind of gold standard, is that everyone goes down to do leaving cert. You know, mummies and daddies want to, you know, get their children to have the safe option going on to leaving cert. When they get to the leaving cert, then air shall we have points? No, we may as well use them. Go go on to college, hedge our bets, do yeah. a degree. What happens in Ireland then is the leaving cert has this general education which doesn't encourage people to actually specialise in the talents and aptitudes and types of intelligence that they like. That young fella clearly loved, he loved that spatial intelligence, that, that you know, measuring things and, yeah. um, you know, doing jobs. And he loved it and he couldn't wait, you know, even though he was tired, he loved it. Whereas everyone is encouraged to do a general 
the same, you know, there's a few technical subjects in some schools, but it's it's all geared to the leaving sort that people aren't encouraged to, to, to actually match their aptitudes and their types of intelligence that they're strong at and their yeah. passion into what they want to do. Yeah. And everyone is sent the same pathway and they wind up going in. A lot of young people, believe it or not, I, I've met them in, in over the years in, 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 um, in the colleges I've taught in, in, in both MTU and UCC. You ask them why they're here in first year, they don't know why they're here. They just did it for the safe option. They had no great... So, so we'll actually lose the, the career aspirations to mark the labour market, match the labour market needs need to be nurtured right throughout at the start of the second in Germany. Now it's probably a bit draconian in Germany. They actually, they actually put children on educational pathways at the start of the second level system in in Germany, where they, the the, the teachers and the um, the parents kind of assess the children in terms of their aptitude and see what they want to do and what they're good at, and then and depending on what they like to do. They choose particular schools which are more in, into one area or the other, depending on the where. But that you know that might be a little bit too far to some extent. But there's something something that needs to happen throughout the schools, and there needs to be options pathways yeah. throughout schools. You know. You, you say as well to finish, Tom, that we need to respect manual work in the same way That's as we it. respect other work in dealing with pay negotiations, working conditions, pensions, and that. And you make the point where. You know, the Internet of Things, the information superhighway and, and loads and loads of degrees, they won't service our coffee, our groceries, they won't take care of our elderly, they won't build our house or fix the leak in the attic. It just creates bottlenecks. Yeah. And this is the point. I, I, was only, I was thinking about this again before I came on the air. I was thinking about an article uh, to justify... There's the, the snobbery about education is one thing. The snobbery about manual work against pay against office work is another thing. And it's been we've been riven not just here but all over in developed countries about this. And there was a very very influential article came out in the late sixties in the American Sociological Review um, by two academics called Davis and Moore, and they justified paying massive differences to you know high high status occupations like doctors and lawyers versus. Lower, sta- lower status occupations on the grounds that we needed the people who were brain surgeons far more than we need people who were actually janitors. And that argument is totally fallacious. And there's a bit of that hanging around that there's a kind of a glorification of someone who's doing really kind of um, high status, high knowledge work. But we need the people who are doing care assistance work as much as we need somebody who's doing a brain surgery work. We need people to empty our bins. We need people to bring in stuff in lorries. We, we, the COVID, the epidemic showed us that. But where there's this kind of ideology that's floating around the place that you know you're only you're only a lorry driver, whereas you're you know you're a graduate. The person doing the lorry driving work could be doing far more important work in terms of delivering uh, bread to the store during, during COVID. Else, but it, there's this robbery here again. Yeah. There you go. Tom, a pleasure to speak with you. It's been a while. Dr. Tom O'Connor, he's head of the Department of Applied Social Studies at MTU Cork. He's an econom- economist and sociologist. There you go. We have a shortage of trades and tradespeople, and there's a reason, and that is because we become kind of snobby about education. And who's going to build our houses and who's going to retrofit our houses and who's going to fix the leak in our attic if we don't pay better importance on manual work. Your thoughts are very welcome. Mick was on 
And that's an interesting one. Oh, God, I'd hate to be stuck in this position, and I wonder if anyone ever has been. I'll get to it in a sec. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Sharon Shannon, Francis Black and Mary Coughlin are set to unite once again for a unique show bringing together their collective talents. An evening with Sharon, Francis and Mary is a night not to be missed, taking place on Sunday, September 11th at Cork Opera House. Access all areas. Cork indie legends the Frank and Walters have announced their return to Cypress Avenue this December 16th. Tickets are on sale now for this wonderful Christmas bash from the Old Oak and from cypressavenue.ie. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us now on aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on Side. On Cork's 96FM. Tesco Club Card has the power to lower prices on back to school bits like Capri Sun 10 pack was €4.50, Euro now €2. Euro. And Andrex Toilet Tissue 24 roll was €16.15, Euro now €9. Euro. Plus Oreo Twin Pack was €2.89, Euro now £0.75. Cent. I can't stop them getting crumbs everywhere though. Nothing's that powerful. Lower the cost of your shop with your Tesco Club Card or app. The power to lower prices. Tesco. Every little helps. Product subject to availability. Excludes express doors. The Euromillions Ireland only raffle is back. This August, four Euromillions players in Ireland will become millionaires. Guaranteed. That's a new millionaire every Friday. The National Lottery. It could be you. Play responsibly. Play for fun. Right now, Carrigaline Furniture and Carpet Centre's flooring sale needs to be seen. They have huge discounts on quality carpets and vinyl flooring with extra discounts on roll-ends. Get unbelievable prices on German-made laminate flooring and take advantage of their expert fitting and free measuring service. With free local delivery available, transform your home for less. Shop in store or online at carrigalinefurnitureandcarpets.ie. Value that will floor you. If something's free, why would you turn it down? I mean, a free haircut from a five-year-old. <laughs> oh, no. Or a free sample of onion paste. Oh. <clears throat> well, then, how about a free tour of your neighbour's new shed? Oh, sounds, well... Um, OK, look, they were bad examples. But how about a free eye test and free glasses from the 69-euro range of Specsavers with your PRSI? Well, that sounds like something to smile about. Book an appointment or find out more at specsavers.ie. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 On Quartz 96FM. Um, if you've ever gone to a, a clothing bin, you know these charity clothing bins, Mick has a story that's the stuff of nightmares. I'll get to it in a while. But first of all, to Melissa, a journalist with uh, her.ie, Melissa Carton. You've been trying to find friends on an app, Melissa, and finding it more difficult than you thought. And we were talking about this the other day. Stephanie Preisner had been writing about how hard it is to make friends as an adult. And you've your own experience to draw upon. Good morning. Morning. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, I'd heard of Bumble for dating and it was only recently I discovered that you could just join and try and make friends through and I'm like, oh, that'd be great because like, I'm in my 30s and like that, it's just a lot harder. You're not in school, you're not in college. Like, where are you supposed to be meeting people? And especially 
you know, with everyone being cautious after lockdowns and everything like that, people haven't been as social and getting out and about. Mm. And I, I thought it'd be great. I thought it'd be simple. And? Or both, brother? And, <laughs> and it wasn't, no. It was just like this awkward cycle of constant small talk with people um, because everyone just seemed to be really nervous. I don't know if people are just kind of wary about sharing too much about themselves online, but it was just mainly, oh, oh how's the weather? Oh, are you going on anywhere on holidays? You know, kind of chit-chat you might have with your taxi driver or your mm. hairdresser, but... That's kind of how all the friendships we have since we were small children, they all started with trivialities, didn't they? I think so, but I also think like when you're just talking to people online, it's it's very hard to kind of have that natural banter or to yeah. have natural chemistry with people, which you would have if you're in person and you make friends with someone in class yeah. or you make friends in college or work or anything like that. Yeah, yeah conversation with someone on a park bench or across a table or standing at a bus stop where you get that glint in their eye or that cheeky smile of theirs. You're not going to get that on an app. No, and you can't hear anyone's tone of voice or yeah. if they're like they're trying to crack a joke or if they're being sarcastic, you can't pick up any of that online. Yeah. Melissa, you're, you're, you're a lot younger than I am, shall we say. When was the last time you developed a friend, I hate that her made a friend, developed a friendship that, that you think would be there for the rest of your life? Um, probably the one that comes to mind was um, I was working on a photography project where I had to be body painted. And I went along, did not know the person who was going to be body painting me. And we got on like a house on fire. I'm still friends with her. This was Oh, about four or five years ago now, we're still great friends, always voice chat each other, we'd mm. meet up. Uh, she, like if I'm having a birthday, she comes over, I go to her birthdays. Mm. Um, but yeah, you can't do that on the internet. And I kind of thought it'd be easy because like that, um, when I was a teenager, we had Bebo and MySpace and all that. And you talk to anyone. But I, I don't know. I think we're becoming maybe a bit more wary about sharing a lot of information about ourselves online. I thought I was the only person who remembered Bebo. Thanks be to God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm my space and all that kind of crack. Yeah, it, it's funny though. It is harder than you would think. And if you were landed in a new... I mean, are you, where you live, are you living there long term or have you moved or what's the story? Um, I moved to where I'm living a couple of years ago, but it was just before the lockdown. So even trying to get to know the neighbours, it was just like, you might wave at them. (laughs) But they were kind of like, no, keep your distance because I don't want to be catching anything off you. Yeah. And do you think that the lockdown (laughs) and everything that went with it kind of did it did it stunt your ability to um, to make friends or to 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 find new friends and where you just moved? I think so, yeah. Um, like there has been kind of um, activities have started happening again. Like there's um, in the local park, there's kind of like little festivals and stuff starting to happen now. But those first couple of years, yeah, everyone was very wary. There wasn't anything going on. Like everything was closed as well. Like you couldn't just casually go down to a cafe or a pub or anything like that. So, yeah, it was really difficult trying to get to know people in the area. Yeah, you've joined other groups now and that seems to be working. Yeah, I've joined a couple of different ones. There were some that I joined 
before lockdown and some since I joined Gals Gone Wild, which is a hiking group. Um, and I went out with them to Powers Court. I'm glad you told me what it was because ago. it sounds like a mad crowd. <laughs> Gone, they are mad proud. <laughs> hiking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'd hiked out to Powers Court and it was grey crack. There was loads of us and everyone got on like house on fire. And again, like that was a great experience. And I added all of those on social media and, you know, it's still throw a few messages to people that I met that day. And it was the first time I'd ever met any of them. Yeah. So do you think that something will come from that? Probably, yeah. I'd, I'd say if I went on a couple more of those trips, <laughs> um, and then there, I've always been involved in different choirs, and I saw another one had just started up recently. That's in um, Dublin City Centre. So I, I was like, oh, I'll have a look into that because at the moment I'm working evenings, but that's only for the next couple of weeks. So I'm just like, oh well, when, once work is done, I'll join that. And am I right in saying you you have ADHD, so it makes social situations a bit more difficult for you? In the, in the first place. It does. And that's why I thought the app would be great because I'd be able to kind of con- control things a bit more. But um, it actually just made me much more nervous because I was constantly like looking back at everything I wrote. I was like, oh, that person didn't message me back. Oh, it must be because I said something weird. You know, I was just overthinking everything then. Mm. Whereas, you know, even if I mess up a bit when I'm chatting to someone in person, I'm just like, uh, I can explain to them then and they're oh no 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 I was I was, I was like cracking a joke or something <laughs> I know I know your, your tone of voice is very important you can't read tone of voice in a WhatsApp last one Melissa I noticed this is very common among people nowadays and I spot people doing it walking along in the street and they're listening to a voice message and then the response is another voice message would you just phone the person <laughs> I think with me, um, like I do that with my cousin Megan all the time. And the reason we do it is because, you know, we might be in work and something might happen and like she might message me and go, oh my God, this thing is going to happen. But like, I wouldn't be able to take a call then right, and there. Right, right, right. But I'll see the message and I'll go, oh, I'll get back to her on my lunch break and I'll send her one back and because we work different hours and yeah. shifts and stuff. <laughs> I was reading somewhere where that is the new thing now and you don't ring them, you do voice message to voice message. I don't know what it's about. Melissa, thank you. You, Melissa Carton from her.ie making friends the new way uh, meeting new friends she certainly, certainly wasn't recommending something like Bumble but girls go wild or gals gone wild which is a hiking group nothing else she seems to be working but there's a thing I just throw it out there I was reading about it recently that it is the new way and that people don't actually make phone calls anymore and I read an article while I was on holidays that people are terrified of phone calls. I don't understand what that's about at all. But this thing about messaging back and forward by voicemail for maybe half an hour. Why can't you just pick up the phone and make a call? Any ideas? Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. And has anybody ever met a new friend online the way there that, that Melissa was just describing? I promise you, when I tell you what happened to Mick with regards to the the clothes bin. It is the stuff of nightmares. All the stars on one show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is George Ezra. What's up, y'all? I'm Beyonce. Hi, this is Harry Styles. Hi, I'm Lizzo. Hi, Ed Sheeran here. The Hit Mix with Shane Bucks on your radio. Weeknights from 8 on Cork's 96 FM. <laughs>
The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Oh, lots and lots of you commenting on our various topics of conversation this morning. Apologies, I need to catch up, which is exactly what I'm going to do just now. 0818 96 96 96 is our number. <clears throat> Text to WhatsApp or your voice notes to 083 396 96 96. And the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. And as I've been telling you of late, that is the best way to get to us out of hours, as it were. We're on air 9 to 12. There's someone in the office from 7 until early afternoon but the best time to get onto us out or the best way to get onto us out of ours is opinion at 96 that's if you listen to any of our many podcasts that we put up every day or if you catch our overnight repeat show uh, slightly shorter version within 3 and 5 a.m people listen to that in many parts of the world uh, time zones and stuff best way to contact us if something on your mind out of ours is opinion at 96fm.ie come back to school buses and we know that there's hundreds and hundreds of people waiting on a school bus ticket uh, the thing is free this year there's a massive massive backlog uh, the people paying over a thousand euro to get their kids to school on non-bus errand routes get nothing in fact, those rates are going up. That's a whole other category in itself. Kate used to work in a special needs school. Some of the drivers didn't know until the last minute if they had the contract or not. It was just ridiculous. I can't believe it's as chaotic as ever. Anne says, my husband has turned 70 during the last year and because of the bus errand rules, he's now sitting at home going mad. He's even doing his courses and certificates in case things change. The government might have changed the rules, but Bus Aaron hasn't. And for some contracts, at least. Yeah, Tim Lomer did tell us that earlier on, that that restriction on the over-70s is, is gone now. And yet, Bus Aaron seemed to still be imposing it. On energy, John O'Donovan said, look, we're facing more hikes in energy costs heading into the winter. And I see in the newspapers this morning as well, more interest rate hikes from the ECB. The news just gets bleaker and bleaker every day. But John says, I get really angry when I hear politicians time and time again saying we need to prepare for an energy crisis. We elect these people to sort out issues like this. It's not for us to sort out. People are being bombarded with doomsday messages and it's depressing them beyond belief. We already have a huge mental health crisis in the country and this isn't helping. No, I think a lot more people and John, you and I, we've had our battles over the years. We agree sometimes, and I agree with you here. I think people are a lot more frightened now about the cost of living heading into the autumn and the winter. Cost of energy, cost of food, cost of this, cost of that. People are a lot more frightened about that now than they ever were about the prospect of catching COVID. I, 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 it's just a personal view from talking to my own circle. People are a lot more worried about the cost of living and eating and heating and clothing your children and buying their school books and just getting by day to day. People are a lot more worried about that now. And this day, August 24th, 2022, they were an awful lot worried, more worried about that than they ever were about catching COVID. Thanks, John. 
on Antonet and Katie and uh, it, Antonet's right the amount of people being sent abroad for surgeries there's no excuse not to have the expertise here Antoinette is a very strong woman I know her well it's heartbreaking to hear her break down on the air she's fine I messaged her she's grand uh, it's an absolute disgrace the way she's being treated by the HSE uh, there's lots 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 more um, I, yeah I have a hollyhock you see the, the random stuff that comes in I love this I have a hollyhock that's 11 foot 5 inches tall can anyone beat that a hollyhock 11 11 feet 10 and a half inches 11 feet 10 and a half inches hollyhock can anybody beat that I don't know <laughs> I wouldn't know a hollyhock if it came up and hit me in the eye but there you go what I have actually and I've managed in fairness, the Queen Bee has managed I love sunflowers I, I just love them and the Queen Bee finally got some sunflower, sunflowers to start thriving uh, this summer and now I'm afraid they're going to die off in the winter and I don't know how to how to mind them. If anybody can help me with that, I'd be delighted. Where are we going here? Oh yeah, unemployment and apprenticeships. My grandson worked every day of the summer holidays with a carpenter. He is 17 and he's up at quarter to six every morning. He's going back now to do his leaving and has the apprenticeship when he's finished. Absolutely loves the job. Another WhatsApp on this. It's clear as day we're wasting transition year in the schools. That year should be used as an introduction to the various possibilities. Plus, you should be doing your driving education then as well. It's your rural. If your rural access to these apprenticeships depends on transport, it all goes hand in hand, which is an excellent point. And last one in this batch, Tom Welsh. All employment should be treated with respect, no matter what it is. A bricky from the north side is just as desirable as a professional from the south side. You know in Cork we have this whole north-south thing. <laughs> the north side are seen as the tradesmen and the professionals came from the south. It shouldn't be like that. The first technical school was the North Mon and many a good person came out of it. You're not wrong, Tom. You're not wrong at all. 0818969696. I will come back to Mick. Mick is in a... I, you know what, I'll do it now before I go to Linda because um, he, he, he might have someone who can help him before the end of the show. So you know these food bins, these donation bins. You know, you can bring your old clo- the old clothes, right? You can bring old clothes to the bin and, and put it in. It's a donation. You bring your bag of clothes and put it in the top and it gets taken away and given to various charities and it's, it's nice to do. I'm sure we've all gotten rid of some old t-shirts and trousers and shorts and stuff we've grown out of and all that. Mick got on to us from Ballyfehan. He says, I have a situation here that I'm hoping someone knows how to solve. A woman that my wife works with is going on holidays. There's all the packing going on and all the picking out of stuff to go into the suitcases. Of course there is. But the woman is also very committed to charity. And she took a bag of clothes down to the recycling centre for the cancer charity. (laughs) You can tell what's coming, can't you? She now realises that this bag of clothes was not the bag of clothes supposed to go for recycling, was a bag of clothes put out by her daughter for the holidays. Big mistake. Is there any way to get them back? The number on the bin is for emergencies, like if a child happens to crawl into the bin. They don't seem to know how to handle an 
anything like this, anyone know what to do. That's an awful situation. So she picked up a bag of clothes, took them up to the recycling bin, fired them in, and they're not for the bin at all, they're for the holidays. Oh no. Has anyone ever had that happen to them? Have they? Oh God. Mick, 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 Mick. If anybody knows what Mick should do, please do. Uh, let us know. 0818 96 96 96. I'll take a break and we're going to talk about more preparation for back to school and getting yourself ready and getting the kids ready and all of that. I'll do the break now just to, just to save time and get it, get it going. What have you found in your child's mouth? You know, when they're small, morning boys, young lads took a Jay's toilet block out of the loo and uh, was munching on it for two minutes before we spotted it. Our one went through a ladybird eating phase. I came home and found my husband asleep on the couch and my two and a half year old face down in the cat's litter box. <laughs> Hang on a second now. If I came home and I saw one of my children with the legs of a daddy long legs yeah. hanging out of their mouth, the child would be on done deal within the hour. <laughs> Gone. Casey and Ross in the morning with no DC Cars Blackpool exclusively Skoda in the city find your next car online at noldc.com open 24-7 the next couple of days and right into next week everyone will be going back to school and Linda DeBasi was on with me a few weeks ago about getting organised she's a personal stylist and a wardrobe declutterer and generally all about organising your house and we were talking about preparing for school Linda I know you've been holding and I appreciate you doing that. Thank you very much. Okay. Back with us again. Uh, you reckon yeah. that children should have their own little launch pad in the hallway, which I think is a in cool idea. Yeah, good morning, PJ, and good morning to your listeners. Uh, thanks very much for having me back on. Yeah, a launch pad or maybe a ready-to-go station. So, first of all, maybe you're saying, how do I create this or where do I create it? It's an area by your front door that you can store all the things you need to take with you out the door the following morning. Yeah. This can be this can be created by um, a storage box, um, adding hooks. So look at what space you have by your front door and then familiarise your children with this area. And so then, as I say, put your school bags, put your sports bags, your hurleys, your library books, all in this area the night before. If you have some time, what I do is I put maybe some stuff in the car, you know, like your hurlies or your footballs, your heavy stuff in the car the night before. But as they utilize the space, get your get your kids to utilize it the night before. So then you're not looking for items around the house in the morning. Just a small area, hooks, storage box, a strong cardboard box will do. Is this stuff that might only go out maybe once or twice a week, Linda, that could be forgotten and you're halfway down the road in the car going, ma'am, I forgot my hurley. Well, that's it, exactly. But I even use it for the school bags um, in the morning or um, library books that you need to bring back or your own stuff, your own work bag, um, something that you need to bring to work. So adults use it as well. It's just an area just by your front door that you utilise and give each child like their own either basket or their own hook. And that's their hook then. And they kind of feel, OK, this is my hook and this is my responsibility now to hang my sports bag off it. It's a cool idea, actually. So that's... That's the ready-to-go station. And on that note, I would also say to your listeners, prepare for the rain. 
I know now we've had a good, you know, a long dry spell, but there's nothing worse than opening the door on a Monday morning and realizing that it's lashing rain and you're like, where are the rain jackets from last year? <laughs> so have them in your hall cupboard, labeled rain jackets, umbrellas, hats, just ready to go as soon as you open the door and you realise that it's raining. It just saves time and a bit of panic. There's nothing worse than a child going into school, you know, wet. Um, Good plan. Preparing lunches. Now, that's a routine that many people might have forgotten over the summer Mm -hmm. or might be new to them with new new school-going children. So a a special place in the fridge. Well, yeah, exactly. And I've got in the discount stores, you'll see clear... uh, baskets with handles on them. These are so useful for just storing in your fridge and store all the lunch items in this basket together. So that means then that you have all the the products together in one basket, your child has all the products in one basket, so whoever's making the lunches. And I would ask your children now this week, what would they like in their lunch boxes? Get them involved, take them to the shop. Um, what kind of healthy things now would you like in your lunch box? What kind of bread do you like? You know, do you like uh, wraps or would you prefer bread rolls? Give them little healthy snacks. I find with mine that they like kind of um, handy snacks, carrot sticks, pretzels, things that they can chew and that can talk at the same time. Mm. And then if your child is starting school, it's essential that they can open the lunchbox themselves. Yes. You know, avoid all those uh, yogurts, corner yogurts, you know, because the child can't open them and then they have to ask the teacher and then you're annoying the teacher to open it. So simple things that they can eat themselves. They don't have to get an adult to open and then create a bit of color in the lunchbox. You know, what fruits do they like? Do they like an orange cut up? Um, You know, I always avoid bananas. You know, I I don't want to put bananas into school bags because they never get eaten. Why not? Why not? (laughs) because <laughs> they always just get left at the end of the school bag and you'll find them then in October and then just as I say just ask your child like my child was coming home with cheese string wrappers last year and I said where are you getting these and he's like well Mary has them in her lunchbox every day she doesn't eat them and she gives them to me so just you know don't waste your money just ask your child what they would like and if they would like a pasta in a little container yeah. try those things out now this week pack the lunchbox today and then see what they eat from it first or what they leave behind and just play out those little routines now this week while you have the chance and see how much they do need in their lunchbox are are you putting in too much stuff they're walking through like we're going to school on Monday doing a practice run Thursday or Friday like you wouldn't get them up at half seven to do practice would you? (laughs) Well mine are all early risers Mm. after the summer they're up early now even at the moment so depending on the child if you have if you have a child that is lying in you know till after 10 o'clock I would start pairing it back just not to get in a body shock next next Monday or Tuesday and start putting them to bed a bit earlier take them up to the school if you're walking or you're driving drive past the school this is where we're going next week if you're especially if your child is starting a new school yeah another one I'd throw in there Linda is to be aware of uh, over the summertime there might have been changes in traffic and there might have been diversions. Yeah. So it's good yeah. for mum or dad to do a run through in the car maybe on yeah. Sunday and see where you're headed That's to. That's it. Yeah, exactly, exactly, because now there's certain roads that are closed off as well. And what I would say to is, if, if you can, just listen to the radio in the mornings. You know, like yourselves, you're very good for giving traffic updates, weather updates. So just turn on the radio just as you're getting ready yourself in the morning, just in case there is an accident and the road is closed. So yeah. these things always kind of as well save time. Yeah. Yeah, Wayne and, Wayne, and, Wayne and the plane will be will will be very yeah. very busy pointing that out next week. The one yeah. thing I wanted to come to you and personal stylist is 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 one of the things that you do, Linda. Um, mm-hmm. You know. 
parents at the school gate. Now it kind of it kind of surprises me a little bit that anyone would give a tuppenny about how they look dropping their children off to school. But apparently, it is important to be. Well, it is, and I think you know, especially with with, with younger children, you know, we have to walk them into the school as well. Um, what I would say, like, is you know, don't compare yourselves to other to others. You know, if you admire someone's style at the school gate, just compliment them on it. Ask them maybe where they got a piece. You know, a lot of people don't like shopping. They don't know where to shop. And then if you see somebody wearing something nice, maybe that's the same kind of height as you, the same shape as you, just go up and compliment them some, you know, and they will love it. And you might say, you know, that might actually suit me as well. So use it to your advantage. And, you know, OK, we might say, look, we're just going to the school. I don't need, you know, to look great. But that's your own decision. And you're the, you're your own personal brand. Right. You know, so you must you must kind of think and ask yourself, OK, what impression am I sending out to others? You know, who's to say that the teacher mightn't beckon you to, to come into the classroom just for a quick chat? And then you're kind of going, Jesus, like, I, can't, I can't go in. You know, like, look at what I'm wearing. Like, you don't want to put yourself in that situation. So always be prepared. Yeah. You know, always have the smart coat that you can just put on, the smart shoes. You know, always, as I say, have some pieces in your wardrobe that are easy to put on, that you feel good in, that mm. you can rely on. So if you do get called in for a meeting or your boss, you know, if you're on career break, says, you know, could you come in to the office in the afternoon? You know, have these items in your wardrobe that you feel confident in. Mm. Is it purely a man thing that my eyes are rolling back in my head here at the thoughts of people wondering what they look like at the school gate? Is it just a man thing that that's how I'm thinking? <laughs> Well, no, because I just think, you know, we've been through the lockdown, we've done the whole leisure where, you know, it's it's time now for us to make an effort. And if you feel good in your clothes, you radiate confidence. Okay. So, you know, whether you're just going to the gate, you might want to make new friends, you know, with other parents at the gate. So, you know, think about what clothes you're wearing, what message are you sending out, what goals do you have? Do you want to get to talking to other mothers or do you want to go for a walk after school? Are you wearing the right leisure gear? Think about what activities you're, you're going to be doing and prepare your clothes the night before. You're your own CEO of your style. So take a few minutes each night. If you can prepare for the next two or three days, that's fantastic. But put all your clothes together the night before, everything from your undergarments to your shoes to your jewellery and just put it either on a cascading hanger or somewhere just all together so you know in the morning, OK, that's the outfit I'm going to wear mm-hmm. and you're not searching for things. And then you're more put together, you're more polished because you've actually put a bit of thought into it. It's only just a few minutes. And as I say, you know, it just saves you time. Get up a few minutes earlier before the kids Mm -hmm. and give yourself that time, you know, to put on. And then what I say is as well, you know, some mothers are, you know, we kind of tend to wear the same things every day, you know, because we might feel comfortable in them. And what I would say, and it's practical. And what I would say is maybe just, you know, add in maybe a a, a bit of colour into some, you know, put a coloured handbag if you like wearing black. Just maybe just start small, a coloured accessory, a coloured scarf, a coloured handbag, because the power of colour lifts your mood, you know, on those dark and dreary mornings, a beautiful, you know, a pink scarf or something like that, or an orange scarf lifts your complexion, lifts your mood. So think about those things as well and just incorporating them into your everyday style. Small little things, as I say, make sure that your clothes are clean. Make, you know, if you like wearing trainers, have one or two pairs, make sure they're clean, have a dark pair, a light pair and, and have good foundation pieces. You know, your good uh, T-shirts, if you like T-shirts, your good jeans, good fitting jeans. 
and uh, good boots or shoes, depending on your style personality. And as I say, if you'd like to, you know, start with the foundation, the plain neutral pieces. And then if you'd like to add on a coloured necklace, maybe some jewellery, you can always have a few pieces in the car. That's what I do. So if you're caught for time, just have a little little bag in the car that you can put on a few earrings or a few bangles, you know, that you didn't have time to put on in the morning. Okay. Okay. Linda, thank you. Linda de Blasi, uh, thanks for being on with us again. Personal stylist and wardrobe declutterer in preparing stuff for back to school and set aside a place in the fridge for lunch stuff. And I love the launch. Pa- I, do, I do the launch pad thing myself particularly if I'm bringing something with me that I wouldn't normally bring, I leave it on the hall table or next to the hall table or by the door. One thing I like to do is uh, if I'm bringing something, I leave it actually at the door so the door won't open without me picking it up. That reminds me. I like that idea. Um, (laughs) Would you get your children, if your children are going back on Monday, right, I dare you. Get him out of bed at half seven on Friday and drag him through it. They'll kill you for it. But as Linda said, you'd be prepared. You'd be prepared. But I don't know about that. I'm Look, I, I, I guess the days of just rocking up to the school gates in your pyjamas and a pair of Crocs, those days are gone. But Linda makes it sound like people. And look, she does it for a living. I don't. But Linda seems to believe that people take it very seriously how they look at the and maybe they do, maybe they do although I suppose kids look at one another's mammies and daddies and they say oh my god your mammy's always dressed very nice your mammy's not very dressed, dressed very nice and that can be nasty but just parents who are preparing to go back to school next Monday or Tuesday do you actually prepare yourself to, to look okay at the school or is it a case of throwing a jacket on over the tracksuit and running out the door and realising oh bugger I've still got my slippers on that's I, I gotta say that's a new one on me people actually worrying about how they look at the school gate it's a new one on me Culture Night. It has been a great pleasure to sit in this chair and other chairs before it and watch Culture Night grow and develop over the last number of years. Remember when it started, it was only a a handful of things were on. Now every September, it's an enormous night. And across Cork City, there will be dozens and dozens and dozens of events on Culture Night. With this year is the 23rd of September. It's a little later than usual. 23rd September and launching it uh, this week, uh, launching the programme and um, overseeing it because it's one of her duties to oversee it is our Lord Mayor, Councillor Deirdre Ford. Lord Mayor, good morning. Good morning, PJ. It has Love been the music, actually. Yeah, Love the music you had there. Thank <laughs> you. It has been a great pleasure to watch this event grow and thrive, hasn't it? It has indeed. And, you know, a lot of departments have put in, and a lot of artists and other um, associations have put a lot of work into making sure that it, this is a phenomenal night. As you know, Culture Night is an annual All-Ireland event. But here in Cork, it's running um, from four to late. And it really uh, showcases the arts and culture offering, which is a very valuable part of life, part of life in Cork City. 
And the main thing is that it's free, it's family friendly, it's inclusive and it's accessible. And I'm happy to say that we expect somewhere between 80 and 120 venues to open for free after hours. Um, That's fantastic. And perhaps... Yeah, perhaps over 200 events. And what I'd like to say to people is, look, if you were thinking of going along to someone and you don't want to go on your own, phone a friend, ask a neighbour, because I can assure you your spirits will be lifted if you just stroll around and see the offering. Because, you know, there's there's quite a varied offering. Um, You'd have the cork printmakers, they'll screen a film installation with live music, and the Upper House, the Everyman and Nano Nagel uh, will be um, also offering family-friendly events. And you have uh, the Bushra, renowned Bushra Exchange band, yeah. uh, band, and you have the Cork Circus Factory, who will open their doors down the marina for the first time, wow. while also sending crews out to perform on the famous Colke. Yes, which is fantastic. So, the English market will have a night. The Rebel City Distillery, I love this. They're down at the old Ford factory and, and they're opening their doors so people can see how they make their spirits. Uh, and who wouldn't want to know that? Yeah. I think <laughs> such an offering is very varied altogether. Fantastic. So there's no excuse for people not to go along because I can assure you, um, you know, there's, there's enjoyment to be had. Yeah. And... You know, um, I think that we want the city to be known as the cultural capital of of all because we've such an offering. And, you know, with the pandemic and people having to stay at home, the city adapted with the artists um, and they went online, which I'm sure you'll be aware of as well, being so immersed in the music scene yourself. Yeah, it was fantastic the last couple of years, but it's great to have everything back. And I know myself that particular Friday, I will be in town from five o'clock just wandering around from venue to venue to see what's going on. Lord Bear Culture Night, 23rd. We'll talk an awful lot more about it between now and then. Can I just, before I let you go, Deirdre, we were down last night at the launch of the Jazz Festival. It is wonderful to have it back. There was such a buzz there, wasn't there, PJ? And, you know, we used to always go when my children were small and we'd go to various venues and then, of course, they grew up and went away. But I got a thrill last night because the lineup is phenomenal. And I think, you know, our city needs festivals like this. We're driving on. We're trying to make everything we offer top class so that people will come in, they'll enjoy themselves and they'll come back. And the local people will feel safe to come in and do their thing in the city. Yeah. So I think... Just take it on, and we we'll, we we'll, we'll drive on with all these festivals, yeah. and the jazz festival. We particularly very fond of it. I've very fond memories of it yeah. myself. So I'll be gearing up to go to that as well. Good. So hope to see you there. Indeed, we will. Indeed, we will. That's two fantastic things coming up in the autumn time: the jazz festival, of course, and culture night on twenty. 20- 23rd September. You'll find, just put up Culture Night Cork and there's loads and loads of stuff going to be on and we'll talk more about it as we go towards it. Just to focus in a wee while on the Jazz Festival and, and the, and the programme because it's very extensive. It's different. Very different. It was down last night for the launch of it. It's very different, very modern, very new. While we're doing that, a reminder to you that our exclusive online station, the Back Garden Festival, still streaming on the Cork's 96FM app. The biggest hits from the summer's headline acts with Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialist in sound 
this summer. Listen on the app, it's still there. Uh, open up the app on your phone, go down, you'll find Back Garden Festival, tap on it and the music will come through or pop to 96fm.ie. Let us go to the launch of the Jazz Festival and I, I said this earlier on, I was blown away by the venue because when I got the invitation I said, where's that? You go up Cypress Avenue, we know Cypress Avenue, we know the old oak, upstairs on the roof of Cypress Avenue, they have created this incredible venue called Wavelength and they launched it there last night with a band called Azimuth brilliant band, incredible bass player and uh, Denise Chela was there performing last night to launch the festival for 2022 which is back in full effect after being affected by the pandemic for the last couple of years. Mark Murphy is festival director. It's modernised it's changed there's new venues, Mark, but it is the jazz and it is back in full force in October. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, thanks for having me, PJ. Yeah, we're, we're, we're back and we're looking forward to producing one of the best festivals ever. Yeah, I mean, if any, I was really blown away by, by Azimuth last night. They're playing, aren't they? They're actually not playing. Oh, they might no? play. They're not, they're not on the schedule. Oh, you're we, joking we me. We, 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 we brought them in to... I suppose just create a bit of fervor. And well, I they were they did, brilliant. They did that. <laughs> yes, they were. They were. They were. So you've got a huge lineup, including um, Prince's old band. Now, tell me about them. Yeah, well, basically, obviously, July seventh, uh, twenty-two, uh, or sorry, July seventh, uh, nineteen ninety. One of the best concerts that Ireland and especially Cork ever witnessed in Parky Cueve was Prince and the New Power Generation and you know I think Prince is probably unanimously uh, thought of as one of the greatest musicians of all time so what better way to uh, resurrect and, and move forward with the festival than to bring his band over to celebrate their mentor Prince yeah, fantastic. And that'll be taking place in the Opera House on the Saturday night, so that'll be the big one. A big sort of samba Brazilian drum per- percussion feel to the lineup too. Yeah, we have Hermeto Pascoal, who basically he's eighty-four years of age. He's um, he's he's a, an albino from the kind of mount, mountainous region near Recife of Brazil, and he Miles Davis um, worked with him a lot in the seventies, and cited him as the most important musician walking the planet. Wow! So he hasn't played like he can make music out of inanimate objects, like out of you know cutlery, everything. But he's as a musician, like he's composed and scored. Uh, compositions for the likes of Miles Davis and they all used his work and you know he's he's every bit an artist in his own right so he's, he hasn't performed in Ireland in over 20 years Fantastic. so he returns um, for an exclusive kind of a matinee performance in the Everyman Theatre which we're really looking forward to and that should be you know that, that, that that's something that you'll uh, like a memory to, to, to behold yeah. I, I would say. Another feature I saw intense. on the, the list last night was a tribute to Aretha Franklin uh, Yes, um, Tusheen is an artist from Ireland and um, she performs as Aretha Franklin and she'll be performing in the Everyman Theatre also as a matinee show. So that would be an amazing, for anyone that loves soul music, Aretha Franklin, you know, the music's undeniable. Yeah. She'll play with a full, full nine, ten piece band and that would be definitely one to watch as well. So, so yeah, we're very excited about that. And again, so the key venues are back, play. Mark, all the major venues yeah. are back, some new ones and the trail will be there too. Oh yeah, of course. The music trail will be will be as uh, big as ever. Um, we've new locations. We've pop up events. We've an we've an art gallery 
taking place in St. Peter's Church, which is, which is a new feature for this year. Um, yeah, like it's all like, you know, we've 10 weeks to kind of pull it all together. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of hard work, but we hope that uh, it becomes or it, or it is one of the best the, the best festivals in, in, in memory. Certainly look forward to it. And uh, particularly, um, you, uh, if if Azimuth haven't got on the plane, can you book him in? <laughs> I think they're already they're already in London now. But look, you never know. Stranger they things have happened. I have to say, I've been at many a, I've been at many a jazz festival launch, and when they started up last night, I was wondering what's this about. And then he started on the bass. Oh my god, fantastic oh, yeah. sound. Yeah, fantastic. fantastic. It was a fantastic evening. Uh, fair play to Jared Kiley for hosting yeah. us in yeah. the wavelength. Fabulous place. Thank you, Mark. That's Festival Director of the Guinness Cork Jazz Festival 2022. Look them up. They're on, I think they're on YouTube. You'll find them. What a, what a fabulous band they were down there last night. Brazilian, sort of jazzy, funky, very sort of beach bar music almost. It was really cool. 0818 96 96 96. Would it be at all possible for PJ to mention that Kaylee Kush Lucha is finished for 2022 and will be back next year and to thank everyone who came along every Wednesday across the summer. I take it then Aideen, more than happy to mention it for you, I take it that it's not on it's not on tonight, tonight is, is Wednesday, I take it it's not on tonight so Kaylee Kush Lucha which is another great tradition and they had some beautiful evenings for it uh, during the lovely summer we've had Kayleigh Kush Lucker finished for 2022, back next year. 0818 96 96 96. We had a caller on who wasn't exactly in good form today, Bernie. And Bernie is very cross. And she was saying that she can't believe, and she was referring to Antoinette, she can't believe a mother is fundraising for her child to have surgery overseas when the likes of Robert Troy is getting away with what he's getting away with. You asked if we're more angry now than before. Well, I've no tolerance for any kind of nonsense anymore. There's so much going on in this country making me angry. Like, I know there's a war in Ukraine, which started six months ago today, which, by the way, is Ukrainian Independence Day as well. But we're over the limit here. And yet the government are bringing more people in when they can't even house the people we have. We're hearing every day of homeless people and people who can't afford to feed their families. It's no wonder we're angry. That's from Bernie. And on the school gates... <laughs> um, right. At least some women are thinking about how they're dressed for dropping the children off at school instead of turning up like a scruff bag in pyjamas. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96FM. Now... At the moment, everyone is putting in their pre-budget submissions. Uh, A budget is due on around the 27th or 28th of September. So everyone is getting their submissions in. And one sector that was really badly affected by pandemic when weddings and functions were cancelled across the board were wedding bands. And they've since formed a wedding band association. And the Wedding Band Association has put together a pre-budget submission looking for a change, particularly in the rules on VAT. Uh, Cahal Malloy uh, is uh, from the Wedding Band Association and joins me. Hi, Cahal. 
Hi, good, uh, is it good, good, uh, good morning, I should say. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I know for a, for a wedding band musician, it's a bit early to be up and around. I know that. <laughs> but you, <laughs> you, you, you've put in a submission looking for a change in that for what you do. Why? We have, uh, PJ, and just a slight correction, Wedding Band Association formed in 2014. So oh, we've did been it? around okay. for about six yeah, we did. No, we formed, and the whole ethos of it is to try and move people from an amateur space into a professional capacity. Um, so, I mean, look, we put in a pre-budget submission. VAT has been an item for us, and it's been on the agenda since the formation of the Wedding Band Association, because the 23% we always felt was too high and not in line with other kind of services like ourselves. So there's three reasons to your, to your, to your question on why we want to see this changed. I mean, number one, the priority would be that we should be in line with the hospitality sector. Most of our work is done in, in likes of hotels and stuff like that, and they're at 9%. Right. You know, the second one then, it's going to stabilise pricing. So this is talking post-COVID. We never anticipated, like yourself and every household in Ireland has seen the pain now of fuel costs, energy and prices are going up. And obviously associated with the type of the nature of our business is we're on the road and we're burning fuel. Okay, and all the other associated costs come with that. So we believe it will certainly stabilise prices. And then again, going back to what I said at the start, of the piece where we want to move people from an amateur space into a professional space and amateur bands if they exceed 37 and a half thousand euro income as an entity as a wedding band they then have to register for 23 percent bat so everything after that mm. uh, or everything from zero in fact of earnings they have to put 23 percent fat on that and we think you know it's a very very it's a big ask but we do believe that with this being reviewed and taken down and reduced, there's mm. going to be a lot more return for these checker, yeah. and it's going to ease up the demand. Yeah. You, well. you, you, you make the point. You make the point that you're working in venues where there's a nine percent VAT rate, and they are clinging to that like a Scotsman clings to his last fiver. And you're there, and everything you're done is at twenty three percent. It doesn't sound fair, I guess. It doesn't sound fair, and I don't even know if the word fair is correct. I mean, for us and our perception of it, and look, if if, if we're successful in our ask, I mean, it, it, we have been informed by the Department of Finance that it'll be considered. Now, that doesn't mean anything is going to change. Mm. But we do know that the benefits for both sides, for the Exchequer and for bands, because over the years, let's be honest, we can look at musicians and we can look at black markets and we can look at all of these, these different things, and we hate that word. But wedding I spoke to you a few times. You know, we're businesses. We're professional yes. businesses. That's what we are, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it, it's tasking work and it's, it's, it, there's a craft to it. And, 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 and I've worked now, with PJ. enough good bands over the last 20 years to know that it is a very professional business. Um, and and, and I, I, I do, I, I want to take an actual band story. So, Carl, thanks for that. And the line is going to collapse. I'm out of time with you. But I want to go to Kerry um, because, and I... I my favourite band, if you ever get a chance, I'm plugging, this is an open plug, if you ever get a chance to see a band called Flog the Dog, if you're around Kerry and they're playing in any public venue, get in and see them. Uh, Steve Clifford joins me from uh, Flog, the Bo- Flog the Dog. You're a wedding band as well as everything else, but, and you're a big band. But this vast race is, is really crippling guys like you, Steve. Good morning. Thanks, PJ. How are you? It's great to be yeah. back on the Cork Airways. Um, yeah, so the vast, the vast issue, um, I suppose, as Carl alluded to, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, issues that it poses at the moment for bands like myself. Um, I suppose going back a couple of years ago, I would have taken the steps 
to, I suppose, move from the space of kind of a, an amateur, semi-professional space and move into a more professional, full-time um, activity with the band mm. and move it into a space where it was, you know, trading like a normal business, like a normal trade, mobile around the country. I made that decision and also made the decision, having talked to my accountant, maybe you should consider doing the VAT. So I did that as well and lots of problems posed straight away with that that I, because I hadn't charged VAT before, um, I would now have to uh, have VAT returned as an inclusive of the fee. So then any deposits I'd taken or anything like that that would have helped for capital for the band and for the for the business, that's now being used to pay for, for VAT. Yes. And that's, that's where it, it kind of hit me and I, I, I sat down with my accountant and we said, look, it's going to be two or three years before you can kind of really balance out before it becomes a bit more viable for you. And I said, that's fine. And it did, and it became more viable, and it was great. But then the pandemic hit, and there was a block or a, you know, a moratorium on, on, a, on a couple of things in terms of tax and stuff like that, and we were able to um, get some respite from, from revenue, which was great. But now coming back into the space and having discussed lots of different issues with different, with different stakeholders, it's quite clear from my understanding and from the Wedding Band Association's understanding that we've been misclassified in, in terms of our, our, our tax band, we actually believe we should be in the reduced rate, which is you know, 9%, um, mm. which would give us a substantial amount of, of breathing space, especially with the cost of living right now. Cost of living for us is, is the major fuel cost. Um, it's, it's, it's massive. It has been all summer. Um, even before the summer, yeah. and especially people who, who driving are van loads of gear around, like it's gotten very expensive. Yeah, and especially the guys working in in in, in each and every band around the country, they also have to have to deal with their own cost of living, their own personal thing. So when they're going to, the, like, let's say, a couple of years ago, you know, the cost of living for them is, is is greater, and they're having to pay that as well, and having to pay tax and all this kind of stuff as well. So. What we're looking for and what, what we're hoping the government will do was reassess it, have a look at it and, and basically show from, from our perspective that if they decided to bring it down, it would bring a lot more viability to other bands who at this moment of time are just hovering below yeah. the thresholds who don't feel it's viable. And I can, I can tell you that at one point it was, but with the cost of living so increasing as it is, if they just allow that to come down a small bit, we'd have a 14% breathing space wow. to deal with all of the overheads and have a, a, a better, decent uh, income on, on, of the return that we get. As well. Excellent. All right, you made your point very well. Steve Clifford from Flog the Dog. I know you're based in Kerry. You play Cork a lot, though, do you? We play all over. Yeah, we're, we're down in Kerry for the weekend. We're down at the Grand Hotel tonight if anybody's down there. So, all right, well yeah. worth seeing that. Thanks a lot. Steve Clifford, wonderful band. Wonderful, wonderful band. And uh, there's many bands struggling and they've asked for a reduction in that from 23% to 9% in the budget. Whether it'll happen, who knows? Who knows indeed? Yes, I did do that one for Mick. I'll see if there's any um, news from tomorrow. There is a diversion by Ned up there in North Cork. They're digging up the road to build an underpass, but the signposting is very poor. Uh, particularly a mile from Ned, you have to divert, and it's causing a lot of problems. All right, that's it. The programme edited by Fiona Cork and produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll see you tomorrow, just after nine. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of non-stop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.